Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. You know, it's hard to believe that inflation is still a thing, but boy, it sure is. And that's exactly why Mint Mobile still gives you premium wireless for just $15 a month. Well, it's also because we have that offer printed on, like, a million t-shirts, but it's mostly the inflation thing. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 for three months required. New subscribers only. Renew for 12 months to lock in savings. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome Here to we go. Horrorfest 2, episode 2. Ooh, this what is the show where we do 31 horror films for 31 days of October, and then we question why we've done it after it, because it's absolute hell. Right, I'm done with this bit now. Okay. How are we all doing, gents? I'm not bad, good. pal. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. That is a fucking big difference. Yeah, yeah <laughs> candlelight to uh, clean lighting. I feel like I should acknowledge I've changed locations for the first time in two I years. Oh, mate. Teleport Jesus. is Look at this. light. Hey. It's a nice setup as well. Well, uh, Freddy Krueger on top of your amp, though. Yeah, nice spin bike in the back. Right, 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 right <laughs> is right Keep next to the fire. Straight away. <laughs> so yeah, I'm that's apt. I'm waving someone's like pointing it out to like, I threw a bike in the background. <laughs> so I was like, right. I'm Should have left the immersion <laughs> there. No one knew. There's a Reddit thread just about it going, what's that thing in the background? <laughs> Forget the light. <laughs> what's that handlebar? <laughs> um, right. As you can tell, uh, this one is just us three. We do have Ryan's reviews of each film over the next seven. As usual, I'm about to list off the next seven films we're going to talk about. Uh, I did on the previous episode. So it might sound a bit boring if you've listened to them back to back, but they are The Collector, The Ritual, Prom Night, the night one that came out in 1980, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, Prince of Darkness, Halloween H2O 20 Years Later, and Fright Night. Ooh. Lun, you need to come clean, don't you? <sighs> Dang. Let's do that first. Get it out of the way. Bang, okay. It. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put my hands up on this one then because I'm not gonna give it. Well, I am gonna give it excuses. I've had a ridiculously busy week. So <laughs> oh, here we go. He's watched excuses. no movies. He's watched none watched of them. None of them. No, I'm joking. Um, so I've not seen the ritual, and I've not seen Prince of Darkness. And the reason I'm not would be like I'm gonna look it up before we do this recording is because I actually really want to watch Prince of Darkness and enjoy it without actually knowing anything about it. Oh, okay. So you're yes. going to take your headphones off while me and Matty talk about yes. Prince of Darkness. Okay. Probably Dude, smart. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was going to start talking about it then, but I'll save myself. I was trying, <laughs> yeah. I was trying to sell you it then. <laughs> <laughs> but mate, so, like, you can do like a non-spoiler thing, but we've yeah. previously referenced like we've not that great at non-spoiler reviews. <laughs> no. Yeah, there's no such thing as no non-spoilers for us, is there? Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah, 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 yeah. Nah, nah. <laughs> right. Uh, the way this is going to work, we're all going to give ours, and then later on, thanks to editing, we'll add Ryan's review. It's like he was always here. Yeah, he never left us. <laughs> we'll add a fourth screen of nothingness. 
We should do it like um, we have like a framed picture of Ryan and we just move like the bottom jaw. <laughs> <laughs> I rate this a five. Like um, the Canadians out of South Park. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, Matty. I'm so happy I just edit the audio. <laughs> nice. <laughs> should we jump straight into more it? Lights on. Yeah. There we go. Are you okay, oh. Matty? Do you need yeah, the, No, it's fine. Let's go, mate. All right. <laughs> He's right. He's on it. He's just going to go. Film one, The Collector. Really, I sound like a chapter one <laughs> introduction. <laughs> Stephen walks down a long and windy road. There is a fog at the end of the... Anyway, uh, <laughs> The Collector released in 2009. This was chosen yes. by Matthew Ashton. What a fucking smashing film this is. Like, smashing. Being bi- like bias. Oh my God. Oh, hang so- on. You can tell I've had a drink. Here's the synopsis. Uh, no <laughs> um, <shit>, yeah. <laughs> Fucked it, boys. Uh, desperate to repay his debt to his ex-wife, an ex-con plots a heist at his new employer's country home, unaware that there is a second criminal uh, who has also targeted the property and rigged it with a series of deadly traps. Yeah, that pretty yep. much explains it all. Um, That's the end so... of Horrorfest Part 2. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> Um, so the Deadly Traps bit, you can kind of guess who is the sort of director producer. So it's from the makers of Saw. Um, so you can imagine oh, what the, what the, yeah, right. I think okay. it, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is like I'm 90% sure it is. You're better off Googling that one. So I'll, I'll give it. you my fun fact now before we, I know I usually do it at the end, but originally intended to be a Saw film from the writers, but it got declined. So I don't Ooh. know if the studio declined that. And right. so it Lee Winnell writers jumped, of Saul jumped on yeah. top and was like, let's turn this into a series itself or a franchise, should I say, not a series. But yet they right. said, yeah, sure, let's do Spiral. Oh, the long last episode of Spiral. Anyway, that's Spiral. That's yeah, just, forget that's a Spiral, sort of forget thing. Spiral. Right. So, yeah, so like we said, it's got a relation to Saul, so you can imagine how fucking brutal these traps are. Um the concept of the film for me is pretty fucking cool. So you've got this one guy who's like in this rich family's home and he's clearly planning to fucking go in there and steal some money. But he's not one of those criminals that that you sort of hate. Like you, you sort of see the reason why he's doing it because his family is struggling. He's a nice that, criminal. That stuff. Yeah, he's a nice criminal. Um, so obviously they give that perspective on it and then they also give hints at the beginning of the film to like, someone who could possibly be the other intruder, which you'll you'll sort of like realise towards the end of the film. Um, but yeah, when you get into it, it's sort of like, so it's basically like a don't breathe sort of vibe. Like I feel like that's what don't breathe got the inspiration from. Um, so they get in the house, everyone's trapped in there and he finds out like the family are also not on vacation. They're still in the like house. they're supposed to be. Uh... Yeah, they're being tortured. And the suspense of that film, mate. So I love the angles where you see like, um, the, main, the, the main guy going overhead. into yeah. So you see the overhead shots of the main guy going into one room, and then uh, the collector he comes into the other room, and then do you know what I mean? It's like you know when you watch Takeshi's Castle. Have you ever seen that one? Where chased <laughs> it through the yeah, <laughs> like the maze where they're trying to get out. It's yeah. got that style for anyone who's just listening. It's like you're looking down on the floor plan, plan of the house. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Oh, that, it's fucking scary, angle. man. Yeah, that's what makes it most suspenseful, though. So you see him coming through and this guy's trying to hide from him. And yeah, dude, it's fucking brilliant. Well, I'll pass it on. <laughs> Go on, Pearson. 
So I don't know if anyone else got this, but did the the title card not remind you of the film Seven? Yes. It's all fucked up. And even the audio yeah. is like, yeah, it was really cool. That was one of my favorite. The title card was my favorite bit of the film. Um, no. like The music is sort of like, um, so it takes a chance on Masco as well. Do you know where the little flickers and little bits like that and like yeah. the dead, dead stuff and dead insects and things like that? Yeah. Originally when I was watching it, I was trying to, like, I was just questioning the setup because I didn't read anything about it. I know you might have recommended it loads to me. And I was just watching it like, okay, so is he just like suspense trying to rob the house? So he's trying to get this gem or stone out of the safe that he's cracking. And you hear like someone enter the house and you're like, shit, two robbers at the same time. This is kind of weird, but it might not get that violent. But then you hear the screams echo through the vents of the house and you're just like, oh, fuck. Well, the fuck is this going? Because the opening kind of leaves you questioning the whole setup of the film. Yeah. Because the opening is just this guy sees a red box in his house. Yeah. Yeah, you know it is. Yeah, because that turns up during the day, doesn't it? You don't get context until like the very, well, no, the climax of the film when you see it again. Mm. So he soon finds out that that guy's not there for the gem and the money. That guy's there he's, for a different fucking collector. reason. He's coming <laughs> to collect you. What it's does he hobby. collect? He collects people, which is the most fucked up thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a really graphic version of the collector guy from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> well, he does capture Howard the Duck and like human beings as well. So, I mean, it counts, you know. But, connected? Uh, I think so. Like, there's traps in almost every room. How lucky is our main protagonist that he's just like those fucking fish wires that slightly scratch his face oh like, yeah. he's getting away by the skin of his teeth like not fucking up yeah see, see this is another thing so the sound on this film as well is very important yeah. so you've got the creaking of the stirs like the the floorboards as he's going along and like yeah. I said, even the little bits like where the wire is going on his face like all these little it's that just adds and build that tension um because especially when they're chasing each other around the house and you can you can hear stuff going on um but yeah uh the mask as well on this film holy shit yeah well yeah. that's why you first recommended it to me because you were like yeah. have you ever seen the collector's mask as one of our many discussions on masks yeah go on matty go in depth no, it's just it's, just it's just anyway, it's just here we go. The, the mask itself, and and he's got like these weird. I don't know if he's got contacts in on purpose. Or did, obviously, did that for like his mark. eyes glow, isn't it? Yeah, mm. because when you so this is spoiler. When you do see sort of see the guy at the beginning of the film, I don't. Has he got the eyes like that? Are his eyes like? I don't think so. No, no. I think it's contacts. Yeah, um, yeah, and this dude carries a lot around a lot of keys as well. It's like a little hell, yeah. Like, how, how do you set something like this up? Like, I brought 17 burr traps with me, a yeah. tub of sulfuric acid. Right. Uh, all this fish wire. Oh, and he and set all this up within, like, probably... It, it would have had to been... It'd be an so afternoon, They all left, right? like... Yeah, like, a couple or a few at least. An evening, yeah. Yeah, so when you, when you see him listening and cracking into this safe, you hear the door open and you're like, oh, shit second robber because there's that creaky step mm. and he just running around not falling into these traps until that fish wire and then you hear the fucking guttural screams of people in the basement yeah yeah dude bro 
I want to also say, so <laughs> this is a, a spoiler, but the scene where he's he goes in to a bedroom and there's sulfuric acid all over the floor. The cat is stuck in oh, the acid. Fuck. Yeah. Oh my right. god. That's an extreme um, version of the the floor is lava. Oh, 100%. 100%. But uh, do you remember how he hides? He hides at, like, the pillow end of a bed. Behind the pillars? Yeah. yeah. But it's, like, a perfectly made yeah. bed. How do you hide <laughs> in a bed and get it perfectly made still? Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're in a rough <laughs> like that. Yeah. That was the one bit where I was like, oh, fuck, you caught, you caught, because the suspense was going and going. Yeah, the shoes are oh, stuck to the floor, burning off. The cat made it to the window and then got cut in half. Uh, and some books hit the floor, right? And he covered his shoes. So I'm like, oh, you're so fucked. And the guy just walks up, looks around, see, assumes it's the cat. Yeah. And then turns back around. Yeah. <laughs> fuck. This film did not like that cat. Yeah. No. It's it's ruthless though this film and it like it he, that guy is on a mission but like you said that when he's hiding behind that pillars and that scene oh my god that is twitchy bum time yeah the wow. twitchy bum time <laughs> wow. the suspense is horrible yeah. even like so the windows are boarded from the inside in this film and he sticks his hand through to try and pull them off oh it's got but the... there's fucking razor blades yeah. so if he pulls them back out he's cutting Dude. his skin off mate. Oh, yeah, if you're a fan of Saw and Seven, I'd say, yeah. this is your kind of movie. 100%. We'll not talk about the ending much, but yeah, uh, it's got a pretty suitable ending that ends up um, leading on to a second film. Yeah, which I'm sure we'll happily cover again. There was um, the scene where the teenage daughter comes back with a date and is having sex on the kitchen worktop, and he's sort of just like, watching hoping yeah. they fall into a trap and you've got our protagonist trying to run and help her mm. and then the boyfriend just gets kicked into all these burr traps yeah oh that's horrifying that was on a i think it was either watch mojo or what culture where it was like 10 of like the goriest like deaths ever like just yeah. the brutality that's on yeah. it. Like falling, he steps in it, and you're like, "Oh, it's not that bad." And then his knee falls. It's so slow, slow paced yeah. death. Yeah. So you're feeling like each bear trap closing on his fucking body. Oh man. Yeah. Folks. No. Not one that I'd uh, like to imagine <laughs> being in. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll say my bit on this now. Um, so Matty introduced me to this film where I came around and he was like, do you want to watch I was like, yeah, go on. He was like, have you seen The Collector? I was like, no, I have not seen The Collector. So we watched it and I agree with Matty. It's so uncomfortable at bits because you're like, it's it's a weird thing because it is like an anti-hero that you're trying to root for, but you're like, but you're also a shitty person. So like... It's <laughs> yeah. an odd, it's an odd you, perspective, but, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, the suspense all the way through this is so uncomfortable. And you think, right, he's going to get out now. And then there's something else. And yeah. then it's like something else. And it's just like, oh. Well, bless him. He goes to help the, the, the people in the house as well, doesn't he? So even though yeah. he went to rob him, he goes to help him. Which because he's enough. not a bad guy. He's had, no. he's down on his luck. Mm. That, that's much. the concept, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, 
sorry to butt in here. I know you were making a point. But when you find that red box again and you see the guy from the beginning. Yeah. Oh, he's that intro scene in there. Yeah. 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 And he's like, uh, he asks a question where he's like, what the fuck does this guy want? And he's like, he's collecting you. It's like, what? And he's like, he collects people. No, no, he's killing us. He only kills the people he doesn't want to collect. And I was like, oh, this is fucking sinister, this. Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck yeah. collects people? But the soundtrack to this as well is brilliant. Um, for, for a standout track on this, for me, you got like Depeche Mode and like a, a different sort of version of, um, I think it's Feel You. But yeah, that was I think that's on the, the credits coming out. But the soundtrack to this film is fucking bang on as well. Suits yeah. it perfectly. Do you know what I didn't notice? I might have to go back and uh, yeah. have a listen. It's very like, in parts of it, it's very like industrial-like sort of sounding, yeah. Yeah, that sort of vibe to it. Which is probably why it reminded me of Seven, because it's got nine-inch yeah. nails all over it, Seven, and yeah. if this mm. is quite industrial. Yeah, all around. It's like for me, great cranked in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, should right? we do our ratings yeah. on it? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. So for me, um, I'm going to give it a four out of five. Fucking hell. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Glenn? So I'm going to go for... I think I'm going to give it a 3.5. I, I, I think in, it's it's not like overly harsh because it is a great film, but I don't want to like rank it too high because others that I'm going to rank are like higher yeah. than that. So I think yeah, that's yeah. a fair thing. It, it is hard, isn't it, to try and yeah. like, get a good like grip on it? But yeah, yeah for, for me, this is on it. This is at a four because it was uh, like a fresh like sort of watch for me. Do you know what I mean? When I first saw it, there wasn't anything... Again, that had really been done similar to that and the suspense all the way through just fucking sold it and then you've got all the Saw vibes to it. So, yeah, man. I'm also giving it a four out of five because it made me want to, you know, watch the sequel. And if you think about the time it came out, 2009, I think that was the height we had paranormal films to have. So to have some of this kind of torture porn like Saw is... Yeah. And that much suspense where I was on the edge of my seat, kind of like, fucking hell, what's next? You know, sulfuric acid. <laughs> you mad, mate. Um, yeah. So, four out of five. Here's what Ryan had to say. Hello, boys. Uh, sorry I can't be with you for this week. I am busy on tour. So, I've just found myself a nice quiet room to record a couple of voice notes for you. So, throughout this, you've got at least a couple of my ratings. So, starting off with the collector. Uh, short and sweet, half star. I thought this was fucking shit. Literally turned it off halfway last year when I tried watching it on like a horror bingo thing. Total bollocks. But I'm going to listen to what you guys say about it and maybe, maybe I'll check it out and watch it properly. And when I return, I can give you a bit more feedback from that one. I wonder if Ryan was talking nonsense. I'll find out when I edit this. But uh, <laughs> on the next film is chosen by Ryan, funnily enough. The Ritual came out in 2017. And the concept of the film is a group of old college friends reunite for a trip to a forest in Sweden, Northern Europe, but encounter a menacing presence stalking them. Okay. I feel really bad that Ryan isn't here to defend this film, which might give you an inclination on where I stand with it. Oh, is it How did you two feel? No, maybe not. 
Uh, one of you guys start with this one. <laughs> Go on, man. Well, I've not seen this one. So oh, motherfucker. I, I am out of this. Right. Let's get this out of there. This is a slow-paced UK horror film, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It kicks off with um, two, of the, two of the group of friends go for beers, don't they? Go to the shop for some alcohol and interrupt a robbery. And the guy that gets caught up in the robbery is um, Rob. He's refusing to give over his wedding ring, and that results in his death. And is it Luke? Yeah. Luke is hiding when he could have intervened, but also just give up the fucking wedding ring, man. You'd still be alive. Mm. That kind of bugged me. Yeah. Yeah. But later on, you realize like, so they go on this trip anyway after the friend has died. I think it's about six months later, maybe. And Luke's kind of dealing with survivor's guilt. I feel it's trying to do suspense, but the suspense is just too sporadic. And I don't know, maybe not mm. enough for me. Maybe I've got to watch it again. <clears throat> Matty, what did you think? So, right. So yeah, going off the off that like with, with the film because there's that survivor's guilt there. Him and the, his friends, like especially when things start heating up, like towards the uh, middle of the film, they start like sort of arguing, and this this becomes sort of like you know what I mean these sort of like heated arguments and becomes sort of like the base of the film where they're, they're all trying to get on with each other at the same time, like they're all like they're clashing, aren't they? clashing at, at a point where they should be sticking together. Um, so yeah, for me. It was it was again a predictable setting. It was like the wrong turn, and I love fucking I fucking Brit. I love the cult like vibes and the folky sort of horror. But there's a point where it just gets too samey. So it's like the people warning you before you get there about going into the woods. Yeah, shit's going to happen to you. They still go into the woods. Uh, they find a creepy burn, and shit starts happening. It's just <laughs> yeah. And, well, and you oh, you've kind of got. What I think was nice is, so this is kind of a monster movie as well. Yeah. Because in these woods is a monster. And I think it's manipulating the nightmares and making him see things. For instance, when Luke is hearing shit rustling around his tent and he looks out to see his friend being killed again in the convenience store. So they're like kind of... I don't know, mentally fucking with them. That could be mm-hmm. part of his survivor's guilt as well. I interpreted it as the monster was doing this. Um, mm-hmm. And you you kind of see, like, when they arrive in the woods, you see this elk, like, strung up in these trees, gutted, like Casey Becker, guts flying out. Um, and then as friends disappear and they go looking for them, they're seeing the friend gutted like Casey Becker. And it's almost like the friends, are be- this group of friends are being sheepdogged and herded towards this barn yeah yeah yeah. it sounds from from my perspective from seeing the trailer back when it came out and from what you guys have said it's i can see what matty means where he has very much like wrong turn vibe to it but it's like if you did that and then amalgamated it with the blow rich project you end up with this we said that's a fair assumption in in a way, yeah. I mean, it goes further than that cabin on the. Uh, oh, by the way, but uh, to to people when uh, when we're actually on a bit wrong turn, we're on about the newer wrong turn, not the older one. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, I know what you mean with that. Um, 
and and there is the whole wood situation. So they're going through the woods at night and seeing all, that all sort of stuff. So I guess yeah, you could sort of say that with a blur, which like vibes to it. Um, you don't really see what's going on and like what's getting them until probably about three. I don't know. Would you say halfway through? Maybe three quarters. But by that point, I'd fallen asleep. So <laughs> see, that's that's <laughs> the issue. How I slow think, this film was. I think it picks up halfway through. Yeah, I got to the point where they get to. Um, they get to like the main. I guess it's like like the main village, and I think you've seen the the animal by now. It's like a weird. Yeah, this monster, right? Monster, it, it? kind of looks like a huge fucking deer, but then has these little glowing eyes and arms sticking out the front. It yeah. reminded me of Krampus, which Krampus. is a film. <laughs> if you listen to last year's horror fest, I really like. But I know, I know you two really do not like it. Um, Krampus. <laughs> did it give you a Krampus feel, Matty? That fucking monster. If I'm honest, I know I didn't. That's I, all I could see. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was it quite and, odd. Yeah. I was like, "What the fuck is that?" Mm. And then, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's apart cool... from seeing that, that was a cool concept. I'll give it that. Like, that's is that what he was going to say? Yeah, it's cool yeah. to see a new monster designed, you know, in a completely different way. Yeah, because you wouldn't really expect that, and I guess um, that's the cool things that sort of like cult horror films have. For you like it's it's the unexpected, like wrong turn had that vibe. I didn't expect that sort of thing to be going on with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, by this point, man, it was this is this like the, the film is so slow. By the time I got to that point, my eyes were drifting, and I fallen asleep <laughs> okay. I saw the animal I don't know what the ending is to this film so Pearson you're going to have to take yeah that's, that's no problem so you're left with two of them right Luke and unfortunately I can't remember the other gentleman's name but our main protagonist is Luke and he's been chosen by this monster to live forever and join them and it almost becomes a cult kind of thing similar to Wrong Turn with you know the foundation in the uh, 2021 wrong turn and um he made a promise to a friend that you see die um and this is the last friend the one i was just talking about he says burn this place to the ground and um he kind i gets like i, I want to say a crucifix but it's not because it kind of goes in like a y shape and he's like tied to it by this cult and you see his wife approach him and it turns out it's the monster making him hallucinate again. And then the monster fucking takes him and pins him up. And you see some other people pinned up in trees dying, you know, who've also been through the same thing. Um, so the promise to our main protagonist, Luke, cut back to him. And he ends up going up to the top of this barn where the other people who were chosen to live forever are. And it's basically like these mummified corpses, like they're still aging can't move but alive so he ends up burning the place to the ground shooting a bunch of people on his way down like this creepy old woman who deserved to be shot by the way fuck that woman um and then i think in the end the monster gets him from what i remember and they all end up like casey becker spoilers got it you know gutted (laughs) you'd be gutted wouldn't you mate after Um, all that so I think I'm going to kick this off with ratings and I feel really bad because I'd love to hear Ryan's perspective as he chose this film. Yeah. And I was just messaging him before we started and he was like, if anyone bitches about the ritual, 
going to be hell to pay kind of thing. And here we are. <laughs> Maybe we didn't get it. Maybe here in Ryan's point of view, I'd go back and watch it with a different perspective. So that's the fun thing about this. I get like a, I like horror fest because I get insight on what you're looking for in a film that I might not have. Uh, so I'm going to give it a three out of five because I want to watch it again personally to maybe appreciate it a bit more, but it is very slow and it's hard. I find slow films hard to stick with because me and my partner, Jess have a, a rule of like, if we try a new film and it hasn't hooked you in the first 30 minutes, we, we look for another film. So this yeah. was a, a tricky, a tricky one to stick with, but yeah, three out of five for myself, Matty. A 1.5. Whoa! <laughs> Honestly. 1.5. Like, so, He's done a Smith. Dude. Yeah. I'm, yeah, what I'm did Smith rate? Very sorry. 1 out of 5. Fucking Evil, Evil Dead, Dead 2. 2. Something's got to give, man. I, if I'm giving fours <laughs> out, right, I've got to give, like, you know what I mean? I've got to have a good fucking, Fair a good sort of gauge yeah. on films. So, yeah, a 1.5, because I probably will never go back and finish this film. Oh. Um, it's predictable. And yeah, I just didn't enjoy it from what Damn. I saw of it. He, he's gone. <laughs> and you even telling me that ending, you haven't even sold it me because it just sounds like, again, the same thing that I've probably seen before. Yeah, I might not have done it justice and Ryan can sell this right now because Lun, you're not going to rate it, right? Correct. It. But yeah. I'm going to say that based on the synopsis, I don't think I'd go out my way to watch it. No. It's, and did we sell it to you at all? <laughs> no. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, but no, in the sense of that, it, from a horror film, it's not really what I look for. I feel like yeah. the only exception that's really gone like, oh, I might like this subgenre of horror is Midsummer, And I feel like that was a very much like rare thing that's come from that subgenre of like folk horror. Yeah. once. That's got a big buzz because of the unique director, right? Ari Aster. Correct, yeah. Um, two hits in a row. So, yeah, it seems like the folk horror stuff's kind of... People love... It's Marmite, isn't it? People it's love it or hate oh. it, yeah. yeah. Um, here's what Ryan had to say. Right, The Ritual. I think this was one that I picked. Um, so, rightfully so, I really like this one, so I'm giving it four stars. Um, I'll fight any of you that disagrees. Uh, Matt, I know you said your partner Jess didn't like it, so I'd be keen to hear if you're talking about that and why she didn't like it, and also what you thought of it, so I'm looking forward to hearing this. Um, but yeah, I just thought this is pure horror at its finest. I don't know if they're kind of targeting any other kind of messages within the film. Um, I felt that like it's following a group of vulnerable friends after that tragic incident, and I, to me, I think their vulnerability is what makes them perfect subjects for the cult in the woods and why they're so kind of drawn into it and they're like easy subjects um yeah the film's really atmospheric throughout and the scene where you know where they wake up in the middle of the night and the guy's like praying to that like wooden statue thing the first time i saw that generally fucking terrified me i was like oh my god i might actually be watching a film just gonna scare me did kind of get a bit less scary towards the end but it's still quite cool i did like the big creature kind of thing and how like he just walks out of the woods and he's just kind of out in the open and it kind of makes it quite terrifying that that could be anywhere i know it's kind of not ever going to be happening but yeah just the fact that it's like the other side of the woods all this weird shit could be happening um i really liked it generally quite scared me thought it was fucking great and the soundtrack was really good too just helped bring out that atmosphere so yeah four stars and coming back from ryan my fun fact for you 
I'm a big true crime fan. So this was like, oh shit. The original tagline for this movie was they should have gone to Vegas. However, due to Stephen Paddock's shooting on the 1st of October 2017, they had to change it to they should have gone to Ibiza. So um, that's a bit nuts. If you want to learn more about that shooting and what actually happened, highly recommend I Could Murder a Podcast. Covered it extensively. <laughs> fucking, yeah, we love that fucking podcast. So if you find a true crime, go there. Okay. Third film. I feel like we are flying through these we today. We are flying through it. Okay. Our third film is Prom Night, uh, released in 1980. At a high school senior prom, a masked killer stalks four teenagers who were responsible for the accidental death of a classmate six years prior. This is starring uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, and this was in between Halloween 1 and Halloween 2. And it was one of three slashes she did that between that time. The other two being The Fog by John Carpenter and Terror Train, which is a great one film. We've recently been talking about with Mai. Mm. What did we all think? I was going to mention the um, like the the slasher phase that Jamie Lee Curtis went through. That this is kind of like sat right in the middle of it. Yeah, and. It is interesting. I feel like there is certain elements elements of it where it is inspired by Halloween, and I don't know if that's like too much of a push forward. But like, there is in certain tropes of like the way that people have been killed and then displayed afterwards. Yeah, like that stands out as yeah. like a oh Halloween, and I I don't know if that was like something that was done on purpose. Then it probably was because of how popular Halloween was at that stage. I mean, this is what two years after Halloween, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, Overall, I think it's an interesting premise. Um, obviously, it's, it's gained enough traction and popularity over the years because there was a remake of it uh, not too long ago, but a decade so, ago. I know the remake better than I know this one. Um, oh, really? Which is why I chose this, because Jess is a huge fan of the remake. Um, and the remake's a little different because it's about... So the remake, if I'm remembering correctly, isn't an accidental death of a classmate six years ago. It's a girl's family was murdered and she hid and watched it happen. Moves in with her aunt. And then, so there's a, there's a bit of a twist there where it's different. And I kind of get why they did that, which you'll find out as we speak about this movie a bit more, I think. Um, So I always wanted to watch the original because I love eighties horror as we know. So I think this is one me and Matty were both like, that's got to be on there, weren't we? Yeah, 100%. It's it's a classic from that like, sort of era and obviously captured within the 80s. Yeah. And it's a classic slasher film. It's got a cult following to it. I've not really seen um, the... I've probably seen the remake once, um, so I'm not as familiar with it um, in regards to like, say, the premise. I will say the remake does have Idris Elba in it, so... Oh, damn. Something yeah. good to look at, you know. Yeah. I knew I wasn't disappointed in it when I saw it. Like, so obviously that that's a plus. Um, but yeah, so this prom night is is basically it's um it's her she's the sister, uh Jamie Lee Curtis, she plays the yeah. sister yeah. And, and, and there's the, the classmate that was murdered. Yeah, she was like sort of bullied in the family. Yeah. She was like bullied and then she falls out of a um she falls out of a window and dies. Um oh. Sorry, but can we just say how fucking bleak is that kid's game of hide and seek that they're playing? Mm, they're all it. shouting kill. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> Jesus. Um, like, grim. 
So, so you kind of like, I mean, when you're through the film, you kind of get like a, a sort of an idea of who this killer could be, but then it sort of trails you off the path on it throughout the film until the end. Um, so am I right in saying someone got pinned for the murder of this, of the girl who was accidentally murdered six years ago, right? Yeah. And they break out at a similar time mm. of these uh, these six, is it six? No, four teenagers going yeah. to prom again. Yeah. Um, did anyone else get like the references from When a Stranger Calls at all? Uh-huh. Yeah. That, yeah. that really yeah. was kind of cool to see because after we spoke about it, I was like, what's the chances that these have, you know, this didn't come before When a Stranger Calls in our list. And that yeah. wasn't intentional. That was just chance. Um, Because like each kid, uh, well, I should say teenagers, each teenager gets a phone call and you're yeah. kind of like, ooh, what the fuck's that? Um, and it becomes a who's who done it and the killer is out at the same time. You know, the guy that's yeah, previously yeah. got the blame for it is out yeah. and escaped. Yeah. No, I, I definitely get that vibe from it. Absolutely. Um, I, don't, I found it a bit weird where it was the um, the shadow of, like, the killer whilst he's making, like, the phone calls. Like, I thought it would make... It'd make it, like, more obvious or kind of, like, cut it down who it could be. But I feel like there should, there should have been a bit more mystery to it. Yeah, well, that's where it kind of confused me because you're like, you think who could do this, but then you're like, well, the killer who isn't the killer is just out and escaped and being hunted mm. by the police. Mm. And it's not until much later on in the film, you're like, oh, we caught him. So now you are trying to figure out, oh, okay, yeah. who is it? Yeah. Um, apparently this film gets compared uh, a lot to Halloween and Carrie. Yeah, I was going to say right. Carrie. Yeah, yeah, I think Carrie because of um, the prom obviously situation. prom. Yeah. Um, but I and think the bullying bit... and the girl being bullied in it. In, in, in that's true. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget about the bullying in Carrie. Yeah, yeah. God, it's fucking. Yeah. That's the main like base of it. Carrie, it's yeah. So I'm going to go out and say it straight away. I think this film suffers so much from being really slow paced. It is. It is very slow paced. Like you, even before any killing is done in this film it's about an hour runtime yeah it does take a while and then it just kind of like cramps it so it's like yeah and it's like from one to another to another to another and there's no breaking in between once you see one kill you're seeing the the rest it's trying to set up that sort of a character development in it within within all the characters especially obviously jamie lee's and just coming off the back of the ritual it's not as slow as the ritual. I'd still no. say watch this um, mm. Mm. pacing wise. Don't let that put you off. Oh no, I think I, I still think. Go on, then. It's it's more to like another person's taste than another person. It's not the thing in terms of pacing when it comes to story and stuff like that. There's bits as well where, like for example, like the main chase scene, which is like eight minutes long. I feel mm. like the payoff on how that ends. Is a bit anticlimactic in comparison yeah, to yeah. like there's no real payoff on it because when you you're following this person being chased around for that long, you expect like the at the end result to be either ridiculously gory or a decent enough kill or something creative, not being like really close up. Yeah. No, I don't know where you're coming from. Go on. Peterson. I was just gonna say if you think about it though, this is a early 
slasher films. This is still mm. trying to establish what is a slasher film. And, you know, if, if you go in thinking about it like that, this is playing around with what comes to be a very, uh, very overdone genre, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. People get sick of it further down the line. But I back think then, if is... you think of it from the perspective of when it came out and like you were bang in the middle of all these different slasher films breaking out and sort of pushing yeah. the boundaries in regards to like cinema and what you see in the cinema and stuff like that, it was would have been pretty fucking scary. Oh, um, 100%. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert coming up. Not that we ever do that. I'm just going to stop saying spoiler alert and spoil it for you. Right, the ending, when we find out the killer is Alex, the brother of Jamie Lee Curtis, mourning the death of his sister still. I think this is one of the earliest times that I've seen where you, you sympathize with the killer and you kind of like... Yeah, oh, I know so. In a weird way, yeah. It's like, you know, films prior to... I've never sympathized with Michael Myers, I'll be honest with you. So like... You know, before that, have you sympathized with a killer where you're like, I, I, I see why they're doing it and they're completely, you understand how, you, how I, they could get there? Yeah, because you don't exactly go like, oh, poor Freddy. Yeah, poor Freddy. Yeah, Killing right. kids. Down on his luck. <laughs> you go in those dreams and get some more, Freddy. Good for you, you mate. You Whereas like, oh, what about, what about Jason? No, Jason, man, he got fucking, he got drowned by all those people because they were too, uh, too busy like snogging and But... It's never sold that I should sympathize with him. It's just no. like you're a mummy's boy and you've yeah. been manipulated by your mum originally. Mm. Now you're in space. <laughs> you know, now you're in Manhattan. In <laughs> fact, I'd love a guide on how to get into the Friday the 13th films. Little side note there for you. I struggle so much. I like the first one. Let us know in the comments. <laughs> I'll tell you I what, love, dudes. We'll love Kevin Bacon's kill. Let's do it. I, I want to... I've got. I I've just got one Blu-ray, so we'll have a marathon. Perfect. Here's, here's the thing as well with, with Prom Night. Um, it, to my recollection, it's the first time that I've seen a final girl not actually be at like any risk throughout the entire film. Yeah. Wait, is she not at risk? Well, no, because at the end of the day, it's it's his sister. So oh, like, yeah. You don't really know that, do you? Do you know, to the end, no, of what you it, mean? So it's, it's only just, afterwards where you kind of think, well, it's no, implied, never any isn't risk it? Yeah. It's implied that she's at risk. Yeah, it is you know, this, yeah. this group yeah, of teenagers yeah. are dying. She yeah. might die as well. She's part of that group. Not Jamie Lee Curtis, our screen queen. Um, but yeah, you, you got a good point. Like, mm. oh, he's mourning the death of his sister. He's not going to want to mourn the death of two sisters, is he? <laughs> no. Can we just it, talk about the... Uh, sorry, sorry, go on, Lord. We were saying as well, like, because he doesn't go for Jamie Lee Curtis when that final fight scene, he goes for the boyfriend, not... Yeah, yeah. So I was gonna say I was gonna mention this. So the head decapitation scene as well. Oh. Holy fuck! And the effects on that as well. When it's sat on that like, is, is it sat on like <laughs> some sort of stage? Isn't it? It's the fucking disco lights after it. So we yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> disco music as well in this is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it's like not three minutes into it, like dancing. Yeah, it's like three minutes. So the effects on this are pretty cool though. And if you think about Halloween, Halloween had like no gore in it at all. There's, there's, I don't think there's any yeah. in Halloween and then you come to this and you're like oh shit this dude's fucking chopping heads off and that <laughs> I, I like the kills I think they're yeah. fucking cool and this is not this is one and I'm going to mention it in later on in another film we're covering I feel the cover and especially in the 80s has become an iconic cover 
Mm, you know, the, the balaclava and axe, isn't it? So this is another thing I want to get to. So the way the killer's dressed as well. Um, at the time, I think I said this on the other uh, one of the previous episodes as well, um, in that area, especially within like California and, and throughout America, you had like the serial killers like Ted Bundy, you had that like Golden Shit, State killer yeah. going around. And, you know, people who were literally dressing like this, like in a balaclava and in all black and going around killing people. Yeah. So like the, the fact that he's playing off that and preying on also people's fears at the time within like different communities, that must have been fucking scary because this shit was going on in real life oh, at yeah, the same time. Point. Um, Never really thought about that. No. Yeah, and the way this guy's dressed, also, I, th- I don't know if they did or not, but is the same way as the guy from the collector's dressed as well. Yeah, I was yeah. about yeah. to say that. Home invasion balaclava style, black black long sleeve, like belt on, pant then pants, black boots, gloves. Just no contacts. There's no contacts this. Yeah, time, no, though. no contacts this time. the The tagline for this movie is. If you're not back by midnight, you won't be coming home. And like, now that you've just said Ted Bundy's about fucking, mm. you know, killing down women the way he did. Yeah. Home invasions and all that sort of thing. Yeah, it's yeah, fucking yeah. scary shit. Luckily, it ain't prom night for us, so we're okay. But we're past that. We're going to survive from that. <laughs> um, I don't really have a fun fact, but I do know. Well, okay. I've got a fun fact off the top of my head. Uh, the disco songs you hear, they were composed in five days. What? What? Fucking incredible, right? That's amazing. And um, I believe the writer was instructed to pick a holiday specifically for this slasher film. And he picked prom night. Not quite a holiday for us, I don't think. But, you know, no. Americans, I think it, it does class as one, maybe. Yeah. It's cool because you, you have all these different concepts, don't you, around that time with different like slasher films. So you've got like <clears throat> you've got like the slumber party massacre, for example. Uh then you have got prom night, you've got Halloween where you babysit. You know, there's all these different scenarios, but yeah. 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 Can we give a shout out to the uh joint book? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yeah. That, that is incredible. Like the amount of like the, the stash <laughs> in that book is ridiculous. It becomes a bucket, doesn't it? Then the poor fellow goes off a cliff with his van. Like, yes, <laughs> one dives into the van. Well, with the van, should I say? Yeet. <laughs> Yeet. <laughs> Fucking hell. Also, as well, that caretaker. <laughs> oh, isn't he like. He's so creepy. Bit, bit, Bit Nancy. Just fill up. Bit of a Nancy caretaker who's kind of got a look of Justin Long. Oh, no offense oh to Justin God. Long, but yeah. Yeah, he definitely does have a look of uh, Justin Long. Because you see what she's like, hello. <laughs> um, would you, so am I right in saying both of you haven't watched the remake? We have. I've not. I've watched the remake no, once, but it was a very long time ago. Has he got you in the mood to watch the remake after watching this? I'd probably. Re- I, do you know what? I, I want to go back and rewatch both. If I'm honest with you, because um, I feel like this storyline is doesn't feel like predictable or old. No, um, it's weird and different. Probably because the setting it is something we don't consider a holiday. Yeah, hundred mm. percent. What studio was the remake released by? I know that's a really bizarre oh question. Oh, dear God. Let me find out for you. Did it come out in like 2006 or something? 
I remember it coming out when we were using high school, so it must have been about like 2008. Go on, get your guesses in. I'm saying eight. I'm saying six. Lun is correct, 2008. Nice one. Here he is. Yes. Starring Britney Snow. So I'm saying it'd be interesting depending on which studio it's by because it's like the Elm Street remake was two years after, wasn't it? Which was 20... Oh, God. I think, I think it's 2010, the Elm Street remake. Bro, the Elm Street right. remake. 2010 so, right. The reason I'm saying is that because they've altered the storyline on the Prom Night remake. Yeah. So maybe the, the whole idea of altering the Elm Street one potentially mm. came from this. With how they've, they've approached the remake. I'm trying to find it, but I don't really know where I'd tell you. Whoa, some of the remakes are getting like one star, two stars. I like the remake. Fuck you all. Oh, I'm not In fact, I will say the remake feels kind of like, um, you know, it's the same way I look at House of Wax. It It's that, that cheesy, weird trash that i'll still watch does that make sense oh sony pictures yeah. oh there you go so no it might be absolutely no correlation to what i yeah. just said whatsoever but there you are anyway okay let's jump on to the ratings uh lun do you want to go first yeah i'll make a start on this one so i'm gonna give it a 2.5 okay due to the fact that uh, yeah, it does introduce like some um, original concepts, but I feel like it suffers from one the pacing, and two, I feel like it's more outdated than other releases around that time. Like I felt very aware that it was an old film. Yeah, I, I kind of like with, with like Halloween. You're not like it's not like the forefront of it, but I was very aware that it was a fucking disco. And, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> you not like fucking... disco or something, love? And like fucking flashy heads, like boop, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> Dear God. I'm not against disco, but I, okay, all right, I, or am I? See, it's um, weird because some people pick up on this stuff, some people like don't. Because I know, like, um, Eb, she like she doesn't like watching older films, I think, because of that reason. Whereas for me, it don't make a difference. I can go back and watch the old Universal Monsters and it won't, yeah, it won't like phase me or like the dating of it. But I think I know what you mean. Some people are very like were when it comes to that and it kind of puts them off watching all the films uh for me this is getting a uh a three i'm gonna give it a three nice okay okay no points it's, just straight to no just, just, just no just you like the same again yeah again i'm trying to like gauge the system right so i'm not giving everything like a fucking good score it was a brilliant film for the time jamie lee curtis smashes it as usual as a screen queen yeah um yeah, just the concept concept of it again, the whole prom night situation. Yeah, dude, I love it, and the and the killer as well. The whole because it's got that whole slasher vibe going. If you love your slashes, this has got everything you want for a slasher. Yeah, I think it was definitely um, creating some of the the like signifiers that this is a slasher because yeah. it does this or it does that. Um, I'm giving it two point five. And I was torn between a 2.5 and a 3. But the reason I went for the lower rating is, given the option, there's other slashes around that time I'd prefer to watch. Like, I've not seen Terror Train. I've seen The Fog. In fact, I wouldn't even call The Fog a slasher. Um, 
but like i'd rather watch halloween kind of thing mm. um yeah. but i appreciate yeah i appreciate it would watch it again every now and then but i'm not jumping to watch it here's what ryan had to say okay so thoughts on prom night so with this one i remember seeing it on the list and thinking i hadn't seen it and then as i was watching it i realized i have and quite recently i only watched it last year so it shows it's not very memorable and to be honest i don't think i liked it even when i watched it the first time like it didn't really do anything new it's you know it's just your standard slasher and they try to throw a bit of a twist at the end but it wasn't that exciting yeah i'm gonna give prom night two out of five and okay here's our big section in it so so what are we on we film on? four <clears throat> One, yep. two, yeah. three, four. Be a chunky boy. Four. Okay. Film four. Strap in, people. It's Wes Craven's New Nightmare, released in 1994. The synopsis was lifted straight from IMDb, so don't judge me over this one. A demonic force has chosen Freddy Krueger as its portal to the real world. Can Heather Langenkamp play the part of Nancy one last time? and trap the evil trying to enter our world. Kind of gets the point across, I think. Yeah, it does. Um, That's why I said don't judge me. Right, let's talk meta, because that's all this fucking film, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, go on, on, Lon, you set the fucking... I know you've been warming your vocal cords up for this. You chose this (laughs) film, so talk to us. So I'm going to go straight into it and say just to in terms of the whole elm street franchise where this sits this is number two for me oh wow okay so the reason why is because it's such a nostalgia train like this is you're a bear man this is straight after obviously all the franchise like up to freddy's dead um where at that point people didn't see freddy as a scary thing anymore it was more just like a culture the, the comical icon. thing wasn't it well, yeah, to the point where like the makeup wasn't scary anymore or whatever else. And by that point, Wes Craven had been involved in the Freddy franchise for a long time. Yeah. Um, like he had like minor involvement in Dream Warriors, but it kind of ended there. So this was kind of like the reintroduction of Wes Craven going, I've got... He, well, he, to add to that, he, he was like, um, I won't get involved or come up with another Nightmare on Elm Street until I have like a solid idea for it. And this is the result of that. I think as well, this is very much testing the idea of meta before Scream. 100%. This yeah, is his dry definitely. run, isn't it? Yeah. And it works so nicely. Like, the pacing on it. Like, there's never a point in this film where you're kind of like, all right, I'm bored of this now. Like, there's some sort of suspense or interesting aspect about each and every bit of it. Like, there is, like, certain 90s vibes to it, which is obvious because it was in 94. It's a 90s film, yeah. Um, however, it doesn't deteriorate the film. Like in terms of like storyline, it flows nicely. Um, there's never a point of where it just stays in one place. It kind of constantly moves from one thing to another, and then in that, like when it gets to like the final act as such, and it starts being like a nostalgia train, like bringing back the Elm Street house. It like it gives mm. like subtle nods, but doesn't go fully out of its way to like be like, here's something you might know from Elm Street One. Yeah. Um, and I think it does that nicely. I think the redesign of Freddy is incredible in this film. It's like a much um, darker Freddy we've got, isn't it? As yeah. like you say, you've got like the goofy, comical, they were focusing on the quick puns Robert Englund could say. Um, yeah. In like the later 
sequels. Am I right in saying Freddy's Dead was out before this? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you thought they were done with the franchise kind of thing. Well, that's what the film kind of points to because they were the issues on the talk show, Heather Langen Camp, and she, the interviews going like, is he really dead? Is, he, oh, is there not fuck. another thing? And then you've got Robert Englund coming on to be dressed as Freddy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like everyone in Freddy masks and things like that. And he's like in the spotlight and he's like swaying his arms in slow mo with the glove. Oh, mate. Oh, I love incredible. this movie. Yeah, someone else speak. <laughs> so are, are you are you rating this over three? Then you rating this yeah, over Dream yeah. Warriors? So, yeah, hundred percent. Wait, so number out of your Freddy list, which will be a different episode for a different day. Oh, absolutely. You've got OG number one, then this, mm-hmm. then oh, three. Oh, damn. Okay. Oh, mine would be like just swap them to a room. Yeah, I completely agree with you there, Matty. Well, yeah, like I mean, I, I know I'm not going to expand into it too much because we'll probably discuss this for another day. But I feel like um, the number three introduces certain things which are yeah iconic. However, I, I like the creepiness of one and new nightmare. That's yeah, what that's I, like, I like. Freddie being a bit more mysterious than kind of like here's some drug needles on my hand. Yeah, yeah. like it's cool. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's probably like, apart from one, the probably the best makeup that's been done on Freddy throughout the, the full franchise. To me, the makeup, I kind of got like a hard plastic feeling from it. Like, you know, when you, you look at masks and you see that very hard that's plastic. The shine mm. of it. Yeah, yeah you yeah. kind of get that feeling of it. Um, also, another reference to When a Stranger Calls, uh, we open with um, an earthquake, right? But also... Yeah. Heather Langerkamp's getting these phone calls from a stalker. Mm, which uh, again, singing, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which again is how Scream starts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, so, it is yeah. the absolute dry run, but it's also, there you go. Two films in this, uh, this episode has referenced When a Stranger Calls. Um, mm. If you want to hear us talk about that, episode one uh, of this year. So, yeah. Pearson, you mentioned, obviously, it begins with earthquakes. I don't know if your fun fact kind of intertwine with this. It doesn't. Right, okay. But so, by all my means, I know exactly which one you're about to do. So you was telling us on the rewatch of this, and I couldn't believe it at the time when I was watching it. So the earthquake was written into the storyline as they were filming because an actual earthquake happened as they were filming it. So the footage of the buildings being all rubble, etc., um, is actually from that time and was kind of tied it. into the plot of it, which is insane. Yeah, that's fucking perfect. And the fact that they drive it into the storyline as well of that's what's sort of happening and it's Freddy, you know what I mean? Freddy manipulating bits as well with it. It's fucking yeah. cool, that. It's clever, very clever. So go on, Mike. What's your thoughts? So, uh, again, like you said, because it's a precursor to Scream, it's cool to see like him like testing all this bit out, but also doing a fucking brilliant job of it. Um, yeah, so the, the glove, for example, in this, so, the, the, so they're working on like a new like Nightmare on Elm Street film, um, and you see the glove and it's all like mechanical and that, and the bit where it just goes missing off there, you know, when, uh, when they, yeah. they, they test it. Um, and, and then the references as well to sort of the older films, with in this as well of a nightmare on Elm Street are pretty fucking cool. Um, 
like a scene that stood out to me on this film was the hospital scene towards the end. Uh, where no one's still believing oh, her about fuck, Freddie. Yeah, uh, forgot about she, that. Yeah, and and she's and the fact that Freddie's actually going around to each one of these people. So even Robert England himself is getting fucking tortured by Freddie. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, like his paintings, isn't it? Yeah, it's on his paintings and everything. Um, but that scene in the hospital, though, when people actually see something's going down and people are getting fucking thrown across the roof and that, like, like, uh, Nan- uh, is it not not Nancy? Uh, what's her name? Oh, it's Adler? the babysitter in it. Uh, no, I'm on about in the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah. Tina. Uh, Tina, Tina. Oh, like, yeah. Basically, they, yeah, they just get fucking thrown the around the room like Tina does. The first in the first yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So somebody's getting killed Tina style in the hospital. Or as he says, uh, uh, skin the cat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that seems fucking mental. And all the nurses come in and that, I'm like, what the fuck is going on in here? <laughs> And, feel, and you see him standing on the roof and that that's a fucking cool scene and his outfit just makes it as well the whole yeah, it's trench, the, it's trench, the trench coat yeah. that he's now got yeah. I was like that's so fucking cool flasher Brilliant. trench coat um, <laughs> I, I do feel like if anyone's listening or watching this that hasn't seen a new nightmare I, try, I feel like the synopsis didn't do it justice so you've got everyone playing themselves and also the, the acknowledges the previous films that have been made right and you see Wes Craven is shooting a new uh, Freddy film and Robert Englund's in it. And Heather is reluctant to step into the film to bring back Freddy because she's now got a son being influenced by what she does. And she doesn't know whether she wants to continue that sort of thing. Meanwhile, you got the stalker, you know, teasing her. Her husband works on the set. Am I right there? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it, it's all these like weird nods and you can't, I feel like halfway through, you've kind of got to work out what the fuck is going on here. Mm-hmm. Like it 100%. took me so many yeah. watches. Um, Cause the kid of Heather Langenkamp is being terrorized by Freddie. Is it Max? I feel like you're right there. I think but, it's Max. I don't fucking know. I'm going to take your word. You love, you love, uh, Freddy, Max. Um, Max, and it's like they crawl under the bed into almost like yeah. Here's, yeah. here's the world with Freddy, and you've got uh, is it Rex Max's toy yeah. protecting him? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. uh, so, so it's like this weird blend of a world where you're like we've established this so real life Dylan. characters. Oh, Dylan, apologies, horror. Fans. And the babysitter is Julie. Ah, right. Okay. So yeah, we've established like Heather Langenkamp is Heather Langenkamp. And then all of a sudden it's like this different dimension and it's Nancy. And but it's cool seeing that perspective. It's very so, fun. Yeah. So like, I, I know what you mean why it's a bit confusing parts because you're like watching it like, holy shit, like this is so meta. It's confusing at <laughs> points. And the mm. bit where it, it's just cool as well though to see Wes Craven as well in it. So she's going to the producer's like office and... Oh yeah, Bob Shay's in it. From and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tra- the try- and they're trying to convince Heather to come back for another film. Um, sorry, uh, going back to my other point about it relating to some of the old films, you've got the scene where Heather's, what is it, husband or boyfriend, uh, is driving and mm. Freddy's claw comes up in between. Oh, fuck, the yeah. yeah. Just yeah. like he does to Heather in the first film in the bath, which I thought was pretty cool. That's a yeah, there's well. that. There's the bit where um, John Saxon 
starts playing Nancy's dad near the end before the final oh, act. Oh, shit. And it turns that. around, it's the oh, M Street mate. house. You know, yeah. Like, <gasps> yeah, I forgot about that. I think the, no, as well, the fucking build-up to actually like seeing Freddy properly. Oh, no. Where, it's, where she, looks, it. she looks into like the closet and he just pops out and goes, miss me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some good scares in this. Oh, man. So good. So fucking good. What did you think of the concept of that it wasn't really Freddy at all? Like it's an evil entity, as they, as they describe it. Um, I don't hate the idea. Because I still, in my mind, think it's Freddy. Because yeah, it looks like Freddy. You know, nothing was completely out of character for me to think this isn't Freddy. It's someone you know possessing yeah. the the style of Freddy. Yeah, the embodiment. Um, yeah, it's almost like um, and this is in this year's horror fest. Uh, Freddy versus Jason. Years mm. later, Freddy isn't as powerful, and chooses jason to evoke fear upon elm street so then people believe in freddy again i just yeah. kind of see it as a similar similar thing but freddy is the the chosen one in this instance yeah no that's that's a fair show on it would you I think my the whole evil entity thing i i think is a cool idea because i mean that could open it up to different things it's kind of like it in it where like that's that sort of like it's the deadlights mm. that's an evil entity and it takes the form of whatever you fear yeah it's got, you know yeah, what I mean? it's true. It's kind, it's kind of like that. And yeah, there's nothing really much to say about it. I just think it's cool. I don't, like you said, it doesn't take away from the story and it doesn't take away from it being Freddy. Um, it's just cool to see a whole new, different Freddy coming out and he's a lot more yeah, scary, no. a lot more menacing. And, I think it's also yeah. fun to see Robert Englund playing Robert Englund and Wes Craven playing yeah, Wes Craven. So yeah. Um, Love it. Like, of, even having like the B characters from the first film, like at the funeral scene, where yeah, you got Todd, yeah, yeah, oh, you got Todd, hell, yeah. you got Tina there, and stuff Completely like that. Fucking forgot, yeah, mate. Yeah, this is definitely a your classic nineties matter. If you're a fan of Scream, you'd enjoy this. Know. Did you also notice as well uh, the person that played Julie, so the babysitter for uh, Dylan, is also the mum in the Scream remake of the TV series. I'll have to double check. Mate, so, yeah, no, lost me there. So, the person who plays the babysitter in, in New Nightmare New, yeah. is the mum in the TV version of Scream of the main character. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't oh, know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. So it is. Yeah. There you go. That's looking cool. Lund's fun fact. Nice. I bring the fun yeah. fact. I like it, yeah. Um... While we're on fun facts, my one for this is the events in this film involving Heather Langerkamp having a stalker is real. She did in real life, and Wes Craven got permission to include it and weave it into the story. That's insane. So, a bit fucked up. Wow. Good old the, Wes. Yeah, good old Wes. <laughs> fucking with his actors. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know this traumatic thing you're going through? Can I add it Wanna to my play film? <laughs> <laughs> Want to play a game? <laughs> but you know Hi, what? I'm Wes. Want to play a game? <laughs> you always hear like everyone, whoever's worked with him, always says he was like the nicest, the nicest guy. And that was like obviously before he even passed away. Like people yeah. saying that it's not just one of those things. But yeah, yeah. it's fucking cool that he, and that he still brings. He likes to bring back those old characters as well. And you know what I mean? They still appreciate it. 
I really love Wes Craven and his, uh, I think when you look through his catalog of films, he's created the, they're always exciting and new and, you know, luckily more than one of them uh, remade a whole genre. So mm. like the people under the stairs for me is a, a very loved Wes Craven film that very underrated. It, it's a, it's a weird yeah. one. It's hard to describe, but home invasion movie feels refreshing mm. all of a sudden again. Uh, you've but, even got in between this and then scream. You've got what we've got on the list this year. Wishmaster. Oh, yeah. have you? So I'm not watched that yet. <laughs> the shit. I'm excited <laughs> for that. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> You'll so get that'll that be, uh, yeah, that, that'll be episode four. And we'll find out whether I'm into it or not. Oh, oh God. To be so interesting. <laughs> All right. What are we rating it? I'll kick this one off considering I've been finishing them. Um, four out of five for me. It's fun, exciting, very meta, even fun that you know it's a dry run for Scream and it's Wes playing around with what is soon to be a classic. Um, yeah, I, I always end up putting this on every now and then. Mine's a 3.5. Um, again, I can go back and watch it every so often. Um, it's not my favourite of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, but I do like the whole, the fact that it brought this whole meta thing to life and sort of, like we said, passed it over to Scream. And yeah, Reb, uh, Wes Craven's a fucking sick guy. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Lun? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to, I'm torn because I, I remember I gave Elm Street a 10 last year. <laughs> which means five. Oh, shit. Yeah, five. we did we did tens last year. Yeah. yeah. So we're doing fives this year. So I'm trying to translate it. So we'll I'm be doing over... fives every year from now on. Just yeah, to we're, we're sticking with the premise now. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a 4.5. Oh, okay. Just, nice. um, Obviously, I have a, I have a soft spot for both Elm Street One and New Nightmare. New Nightmare it, to me is very much a comfort film. Like I can just put it on and I'll watch it out. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, from the costume design to the premise to how fucking meta this film is, it's so good. Go yeah, watch boy. this film if you haven't, and uh, let's hear what Ryan had to say about it. Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Uh, I thought this was a really cool plot, especially as this is like the sixth or seventh sequel. So like by this point, franchises usually die off. Like I actually started watching the box set this year and I've still not seen Freddy's Dead because like five kind of just dripped off a bit and I was like, mm, kind of losing interest now. Um, but yeah, I need to check out Freddy's Dead. But I remember last year watching New Nightmare after hearing you guys talking about it on a on like another podcast or you might have mentioned it on the horror horror fest last year um but yeah i checked it out really liked it thought it was a really cool fresh take um so yeah three and a half stars for west craven's new nightmare i agree ryan because i assume you liked it You're our next <laughs> film uh is prince of darkness released in 1987 a john carpenter film uh, a group of graduate students and scientists uncover an ancient canister in an abandoned church but when they open the canister they inadvertently unleash a strange liquid and an evil force upon all humanity. That's As you correct. can see, yeah, Lund just... has removed his headphones because he has not watched this film. I wonder I'll... what he was doing at first. I was like, is he going for a piss? <laughs> or... Lund's going to take a break. Lund, I'll do this when uh, I want you to come on. I'm, I'm going to assume he got that. 
Yeah, go brew brew a coffee. Right, Mighty, let's get into this. Because this is a film. We went seeing John Carpenter live, right? Yeah. And big projector in the back showing off all his films and themes. And we spoke about this one extensively. Um, And I don't think it was the film I wanted to know, but ended up watching this anyway. Alice Cooper is in it for anyone that wants to know. And it's also got like a lot of the cast of um oh, what the fuck's a film called big trouble in little china yeah um donna pleasance comes back for this one he does yeah go on mate what are you saying well th- this is uh, john carpenter you know he makes fucking his films a lot like a lot of them are very like original um again you don't really see you've never really seen anything like it before um yeah. so in regards to this being sort of like a demonic possession sort of film it's a twist on it compared to say if you put it next to the exorcist do you know what i mean yeah yeah and you kind of get that so um yeah again i'll try and uh do what i've just done for new nightmare for any listeners that haven't seen it um this canister's in a church that's yeah. been abandoned and a priest has seeked out the priest being donald pleasance seeks out a professor uh um a local university needs help with it and basically it's a a weekend i I suppose a weekend or a night of these teams of people getting together and no one really knows what's going on and you're kind of trying to work it out at the same time and um yeah. Well, they're all from different labs in this. They're all from like yeah, uh, like some are students that, just yeah. trying to learn. Some are, yeah. oh, I'm I'm I, you know, specialize in this and this. Yeah, and they're all trying to study what the fuck this like. It's like a liquid in it. Yeah, but it's it's giving off like energy, right? Yeah. So when you get there, you've got all these people roaming around. You you assume are homeless people, but they're kind of like zombified at the same time as well. They're in a trance, which you later find out they're being controlled by the energy of this thing like whatever it is um and that includes alice cooper as well yep 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 um we only find it a bit later on it's sort of like it's got that sort of demonic vibe to it and it's it's, it's a different entity from what you uh yeah because you don't really know what it is do you at first you're like, i'll be honest so i went in off your recommendation and i was really excited for it because John Carpenter and Alice Cooper. This is going to be, you know, yeah. sick. John Carpenter's doing the score with Alan Howarth. Um, yeah. So it, it's going to be a good time. And I felt very bored of it at the beginning. Right. Yeah. Um, it feels like a very slow setup to me. Yeah. But then I, I don't know how you would have sped that up at all. So I, know, I, I can, I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Uh, but it has got it has got a sort of it's setting it up in, in in a way. There's nothing really that sticks out to you as like you know compared to the end of the film where it really gets going. Yeah, so because it's trying to set it up for that long, and it, it does. Once it gets to that point, I was like, oh, this is the the John Carpenter film. Yeah, I get like um, it's a weekend, so there's parts of the team sleeping while other parts are working, and the ones that are sleeping. They all have the same dream about this uh, shadowy figure in a church, right? Yeah. And that's because of this liquid influence in them. And um, 
yeah. So how do I, uh, I'm trying to think of how I explain how it all kicks off. So part of these homeless people get one or two of these scientists and you just, uh, the rest of the team are like, oh, they've left. They're sick of this because no one yeah. really knows what's going on. No. So it's just assumed if someone's missing, they're assuming, oh, they've left, which isn't necessarily the case, but no one bothers to find out. Anyway. Well, it's the bit where they, where they, they go outside and they come out through the, uh, the door, they come down walking down the stairs and um, there's just a fucking row of these like homeless people in front of them. Yeah. And it is almost like this uh, mummy style. It's not like saying yeah. anything or no. zombies like brains, you know. No. Um, and the the first kill you get is uh, Alice Cooper stabbing someone with like half a bicycle. Yeah, it's da- is it, that's down the, da- da- is it down the alleyway? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And fun. My, I'll give you a fun fact early because I got a few. Um, that was something that was incorporated into Alice Cooper's live show. And I think, really? I think he, yeah, I think he had it before that film and used it for this as well, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then eventually some of the scientists are similar to the homeless in sort of this mummified brainwashed way. Right. And yeah. they're trying to get the canister and open it up. Am I right in saying open it up or unleash it? Yeah, well, like I said, they're still trying. Yeah, um, yeah, and as the film goes on, they realise it's like they got the whole mirror sort of thing coming yeah. on there. So when you're looking into the mirror, and oh, that sort of yeah. leads into this other world. So the the mirror is, is used as sort of like a passageway, like a, a different dimension kind of thing. Yeah, and, um, it, and it's like this mirror can bring this being through. Yeah. Basically, yeah. that, that's like the portal that's the goal. into a world. Yeah, so that was the goal for the film. That's the portal into the Get world. Get the being through the mirror. Yeah. Um, so they go around smashing all these mirrors to try and stop this from happening. All the while, shit's going down, basically. Uh, people They're are being getting... picked off one by one, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. I um, forget what the woman's name is, and she's basically, like, skinned. Like, all of all of the skin's, like, burning and shit. Fuck. Yeah, some of the kills in this. Yeah. And the, the uh, shout out to the makeup and special effects because I know they 100%. listen. Yeah. Mate, when um the woman has the mark on her arm and yeah. she's the chosen one and she's sort of on this bed, almost getting like an exorcist style fuck up on her face. And then she looks pregnant and then. Yeah, dude, that's mate, fucking. Again, the, those sort of like effects. Those remind me of the thing. Yeah. Well, funny you say that. Um, This was uh, John Carpenter had enough of studios and the creative say that they wanted. Yeah. And took a a lower deal with a company. And this company uh, helped him remake the thing after this. Shit. So so you can kind of see the... um, you know, the ball rolling with like, oh, I like mm. these special effects and stuff. And John Carpenter's The Thing is a five out of five movie for me. It was on this list. Yeah. It's one of my favourites. Well, um, anyway, like, especially like, so the whole suspense throughout this film and what the music brings to it, because with every John Carpenter film, 
he brings a whole different fucking ball game to it with the soundtrack that he does to it. This film wouldn't be anywhere near as good without that soundtrack behind it. There's something I know me and you particularly love given we have a horror band, but it, it's yeah. his simplicity yeah, uh, in what he does. And I think, um, I can't remember what film it is, but it was John Carpenter working with Alan Howarth again. It might have been The Thing, actually. And he says, make it simpler to Alan Howarth, who wants to do a bit more intricate stuff. And um, yeah. yeah, there's something about John Carpenter where, you know, his keep it simple, stupid yeah. tracks are just so effective in these films. So uh, another thing on this as well, I want to point out that ending scene. Um, so actually before that, so Donald Pleasant's <laughs> character, character and, the, and, the, and the, again, the character development in this, like, He's fucking smashed it again on this, Donald Pleasant. Um, I think he's like the perfect person for that role, just as he was uh, with playing Loomis. Um, and that end scene were, what's her name now? So Dan, Dan Forth. I was name. just getting yeah. it up. Yeah. Um, she, so there's the woman who's, who's sort Catherine of obviously... Catherine Danforth. Yes. Uh, there's the woman who's possessed and she's looking into this like sort of final mirror that's in this room and the uh, the creature or whatever it is, the devil... Has its hand through. Has its right? hand coming through and you're like, what the fuck? And then she's sort of like reaching for it as well, but she's possessed at the same time and she's burnt to death. And as she's reaching through... Dan Forth comes running in, tackles her, but they end up going straight through the portal. They, all of them end up going through, yeah. and then Donald Pleasant score me. Sorry, yeah, he he throws the axe and smashes it. Like, why the fuck would you throw it so late? <laughs> you had an opportunity. Yeah. You could have smashed it before that, but I think it's because the portal just shuts, doesn't it? Like behind them. Yeah. Uh, but the the like the visual bit on this that I fucking love is when they go through it and you get the, the sort of both sides of like the mirror reaching. and she's reaching back towards it, like from I, like whatever almost, it is. It's like the fucking abyss or whatever it is behind yeah. her and she's reaching back to the light. Oh, my God. And it's almost this like liquidy effect yeah. on the inside of the mirror, the it's other so dimension, cool, and then the normal yeah. mirror that we know. Do you want to know how they did those mirror scenes? Go on. It's Mercury. Liquid so mercury like, is dead, all that so, yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know it if is, it yeah. is with Catherine Danforth in it, but th- the liquid on its own is mercury, which I thought was really fucking wow. Like, what a cool way to make something look, you know, weird and mm. not not like oh, we just CGI'd it because it it's easy or it's a backdrop. Yeah, you know, we filmed mercury. I will say one thing that bugged me in this film was Walter the character. Walter, um, he's got like so many one-liners and jokes in this where you're like, dude, this isn't the time to be joking. And I'm yeah. a guy that loves to joke around, but yeah, that was the one thing where I was like, fucking shut up, dude. <laughs> There's always that person in, in like a film. In the last yeah, there is. The um, yeah, this is such a good... Once it picks up, it picks up in a classic John Carpenter way. Yeah. And like in a really fun way as well. Yeah. I mean, even if like you're only familiar with a couple of his movies watching this, you'd fucking know who directed it hundred percent. Yeah. As soon as you see it, you'd know it's a John Carpenter movie. Um, yeah. So what's your ratings on it then? What would you say? So before we do, I'll give you two more fun facts. Oh, um, this was shot in 30 days, which I think is amazing. Um, 
I mean, it all takes place in one area, so yeah, achievable to do. And it's not like John Carpenter doesn't know how to work under a time constraint because Halloween was shot in very short amount of days. The premise of the film came from Deborah Hill, who he's collaborated with on Halloween. If you ever watch that, you might know of a bit of an indie movie. Um, and basically, Deborah Hill had a dream of a dark figure entering a church and made her feel super uncomfortable. And that's where the Shit. whole premise of the film comes from. Fucking teamwork makes the dream work. It certainly does. So my rating is 2.5. Right. I've gone slap bang in the right. middle. And I think that's because I think I overhyped it in my own mind from me and you talking about it. Yeah. And me thinking, there's a John Carpenter movie I've not seen that's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Um, so maybe my expectations going in were a little too high. Yeah. But once it did pick up pace, I was like, oh, okay, I'm into this. Yeah. What about yourself? That's fair. Um, 3.5 for me. Again, uh, the regionality of it. Um, the, the whole thing that it was playing on the sort of devil, demonic possession sort of thing, but it's unlike anything you've ever seen in that sort of way. The creativity of the movie, uh, Donald Pleasance as well in it, just fucking yeah. sells it for me. So, yeah, it's got a 3.5 for me. Nice. Let's get Lund back. Here he is. I'm back. Could you not hear anything then? He's not here us talking. I only heard one slight snippet and I actually grabbed my headphones just to shut them so I wouldn't hear it. Right. <laughs> what was it? Because he was hear? just like, oh, especially that bit in the ending were, and I was oh, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, nope. <laughs> right. Moving on to Halloween H2O 20 years later. I hate the fact that I've just called it H2O because there's no mermaids in this film. H2O. Uh, Halloween H20 is what I'm trying to keep <laughs> calling it. Uh, released in 1998. Uh, essentially now what's happened is this film acknowledges one and two and not the others. So Yeah, this is where it gets a bit weird. Yeah, here's where we get like a fucking multiverse of Halloween. Um, Michael Myers variants. <laughs> well, yeah, we do. <laughs> Look at the yeah. fucking masks. Uh, the premise of the movie is Laurie Strode, now dean of a Northern California private school with a new name, must battle the shape one last time as the life of her own son hangs in the balance. Uh, we've got Jamie Lee Curtis in this, obviously reprising her role as Laurie Strode. Josh Harnett plays Laurie Strode's son, which I thought was really fun. And yeah. Steve Arkin is Laurie Strode's love interest. And also, tell me if you boys noticed it, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. With <laughs> one of the coolest kills 100% in the movie. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we should probably start there. The opening of the film is the nurse, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's the, the nurse. nurse's She's, house has been robbed. It's the nurse from the beginning of the original Halloween. Who's who in the went car with to, Donald Pleasance. Yeah. yeah. And we should say Donald Pleasance isn't in this movie, and this is the first Halloween film without him. Uh, I think it's dedicated to him. But, but it's to the be first with Jamie Lee back in it as well. So it's, Yeah. To be fair, I don't think that even if they had Donald Pleasance, because you know he'd be on board, I don't really know how you'd fit him into this anyway. You yeah. know, yeah. a skirt, not a skirt priest, but a oh, priest. Look at me. I'm back on fucking 
Prince of Darkness there. A uh, uh, a doctor um chasing around knowing Michael's case doesn't really fit in the storyline. No. I think if they did do it, it would have just been overplaying it again. It's, there's only so many times he's gonna get sick of chasing Michael around after yeah. a bit and he's just running around to all these different spots. Well, isn't it in like five or six? He has the confrontation, he's just like, hit. Hey, Here's the person you want to kill, Michael. And then he's yeah. like, come on, kill me, do something. <laughs> he's over it by the end. This yeah, Mike's just, Mike's just <laughs> over just, it. It's just done. It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. A no. subplot would be that Michael has a habit of pinching the same nurse's car. <laughs> that's the, that's it. It's not, it's not about the killing. It's just pinching no. the same person's Stealing car. It's just, car a, yeah. just a long overdue prank. So, yeah, we, we open with the, the nurses. Nurse from number one being her house has been robbed, right? Um, and that's where we get introduced to Justin Long and a friend. I'm not really sure who plays him. Um, it's basically Justin Gordon Levitt. Did I say Justin Long? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's okay, mate. This it's podcast is cursed by Justin Long. It's that time I'm done. Yeah, we're on the <laughs> second to last film, it's happening. <laughs> All right, so Pearson's out. <laughs> Oh, just down to two of us. <laughs> yeah, we're back. Joseph and Gordon Levitt. There you go. Yeah, so the nurse goes to Joseph and Gordon Levitt. My house has been robbed. I'm staying with you until the police come. Joseph and Gordon Levitt thinks he's too cool for that. Goes into the house, steals some beers, trashes the kitchen, and basically says, There's no one there. Don't worry. So she but goes, Messed up your kitchen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he does say that, doesn't yeah. he? They made a real messy kitchen. Um, and she discovers papers on Laurie Strode have been stolen. Dun, dun, dun. That's how Michael's back. And then Mikey sets up his uh, way to find her. After all those years, 20 years later, what's he been doing for 20 years, man? Yeah, because he's missing at the end of number two, isn't he? Yeah, that's Ooh. a good point, actually. Is the fire and that's that. Also, as well, can we discuss why is it called H2O? I know obviously years 20 years later, but, 20, but 20 why years did, later. but why did they decide to abbreviate it to H2O? I don't know. I really don't know. I, I wish they didn't because it really bugs me that there's no mermaids in this. <laughs> it's just Michael and those mermaids. So yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's killing this fucking... Oh, yeah, that's I, what... I, that's I, whole... I, I, <laughs> I skating boots straight through the fucking face. Yeah. Wow. Brutal. Fucking yeah. brutal. Solid start. Solid start. Do you know what? There's some start. really cool kills in this movie. There is. Um, yeah, there is. Oh, there is. Oh, the dumb way to see. And then what her body is... Uh, yeah. What happens with the body after it, which before we do go in detail on that, I will say... This whole private school has gone on a trip to Yosemite, I think, or some camping yeah, trip Yosemite. somewhere. Um, and Josh Harnett is begging his mum, Laurie, let me go, come on. In the end, he gets permission but doesn't go because he wants to stay in this private school and have sex with his girlfriend like any teenager mm-hmm. wants to. Um, so there's like four of them having some romantic evenings together. And... Laurie Strode's under the impression she can have her own romantic evening and, you know, let loose, chill out. Um, so, yeah, let's let's jump to that fucking kill with the dumb waiter. And wow. then she's hung up like Casey Becker 
with a light bulb in her stomach. Yeah, Casey like Becker is making bulb. some fucking appearances today, isn't she? Oh, dude, you see when she traps a leg though, and he's just fucking going at it. Yeah, yeah. she goes to yeah, turn. She's trying to get away. Yeah, yeah she, she gets just goes stabbed to turn in the leg. back. Yeah, just repetitively. Fuck me, she went out the worst. I think. I, th- I, I think. She, I think Joseph's character. He went out. He must have gone out pretty quick with that. But she fucking got tortured before she died. Yeah. <laughs> we we should also mention. LL Cool J's in this playing the security guard. He's such a shit security mm. guard. He's a terrible security guard, but I want to read this novel that he's writing. <laughs> God <Yeah>. damn. <laughs> he basically operating the front gate, does a terrible job because Michael gets in real fucking easy it, by leaving so a car lazy. outside. Like the whole way that he gets into that school is so fucking lazy. It's just like do 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 do. But I mean, I mean. <laughs> It establishes he's not good at his job beforehand because he's on the phone to his his wife wife and then like, just let's Josh, I'm going to keep calling him Josh until I remember his name. Uh, Just let's Josh walk into town on Halloween, the most scary night for Laurie Strode. Yeah, so you've, um, yeah, I mean, you get the bit worse. So she bumps into it. She bumps into him, doesn't she, in in turn? And she has a go at him for actually being out there. And he's like, why why, why have you not got over this by now? Which is, again, so that's sort of similar to the new Halloween where she's got this, like, PTSD from everything that's gone on. But obviously in this, she's sort sort of shit out. She's become a a teacher and she's part of the school and all that. Um, But she's still got this night, like, sort of nightmare every time it comes back to Halloween of seeing Michael again. I think... The most recent Halloween, obviously, excluding Halloween Kills, I think they did a better job of kind of like um, showcasing like trauma after an event like that. A hundred percent. Because the way that they went about this was kind of like, she's got her stuff together, but she's an underlying alcoholic. Uh, (laughs) That's all that there is to it. There's no kind of like PTSD vibe to it. So I feel like the newest edition did a much better job. I mean... Are you talking? Are you comparing Halloween H2O and the new 2018 Halloween? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So, I mean, in this, it does show some displays of PTSD because you've got like scenes where she thinks yeah, Michael's got, like, walking towards walking. her. Yeah. She looks mm-hmm. away, looks back, and it isn't Michael. Yeah. Um, also, did anyone get a like? We've just been talking about Wes Craven's new nightmare. This came out four years after. Um, Anyone else get a bit of a scream feel? Yeah. That is because Kevin Williamson was signed on as an executive producer. You'll know him from helping to produce and write Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer. Um, He actually wrote an early draft for this. And then I think, I don't know what happened to it, but they didn't use that one and went with what we have today. Oh, that's interesting. Well, that'll probably tie in with one of your fun facts, which I think you'll have on there. Do you know what? I don't have any fun facts written for this. Well, I so, do know. Yeah, I, I do know one off the top of my head. But go on, you give me yours. Well, it's the uh, so the, uh, the the school where this is set in is also the setting of Roman's house in Scream Three. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, uh... So you, you can see different bits. In, yeah, I, th- I think obviously the front of the school, like the entrance, and also you can match up one of the hallways as well in the scene. So there's the there's the set, there's a bit in this film where Mikey comes drops down from the roof Thank again. You. He's got a fucking strong arm. <laughs> it just fucking Dude. drops oh, yeah, down like with one arm yeah. from the roof. 
Like, how someone's been doing pull ups. Like, what has he been doing? Like, he's he's had to do a fucking star against like the walls <laughs> up there to stay there. Somehow dropped himself down with one arm behind someone. Like, yeah, what true. the fuck? It's true. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So Mike is good. Uh, Mike's good at gymnastics as well. We found out in this film. That's what um, he's been doing for twenty years. Yeah, he's just been doing, been doing that, pull ups yeah. with one arm. Yeah. yeah. Fucking doing parkour and all that shit. Um, yeah, so you can match up on that hallway scene from one of the chase scenes from screen three and you just fucking perfect line-up of it. So it's cool to see that connection between them both as well. Mm. And that's cool, the fact that Kevin Williamson was actually yeah. part of it as well. Um, also, uh, interest. Oh, go on. this is a real short one, don't worry. Steve Miner is directing it, who did the first two Friday the 13th sequels. And I suppose this is viewed as Halloween 3 that they never got. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Right. Um, Go on, then. What were you going to say? I was going to say, did, did everyone pick up on Jamie Lee Curtis's mum having yeah. a conversation? Uh, That's oh, cool. shit, yeah. So that is the oh, last time this. they're on screen together as well. That's insane. Which, you know. Uh, and she also references... The original Halloween, we're all entitled to one good scare this year. And she gives a, a bit of parental advice. And that's the the meta, as is meta a, as this gets. Is Love there it. a meta thing as well where it plays some of the music from Psycho as she's yeah, walking to a Yeah, it plays a Bernard Herrmann's score yeah. as she's walking to a, yeah walking away. Yeah, that's Janet insane. Lee appears in it. Um, that, yeah. It's nice to see her yeah, yeah. in the Scream franchise. Not Scream franchise. Halloween franchise. Yeah. Fucking hell. So uh, highlights uh, from this film for myself, like, um, again, I think some of the kill scenes is the bit in the uh, the school hall where Mike, Mike is just fucking flipping all the tables trying to find uh, trying to find her. Um, and also, there's, there's this that iconic scene where they're getting chased and they run through that door, she shuts the door, and he's like, in a face, face to face, right yeah. I think that's pretty cool. The fact get that the face head to face. twist, yeah. Can we can we talk about the mask? Thank you. I was gonna ask. Yeah, this. I was getting slowly around to it. Yeah. <sighs> what is that, Suggy? <laughs> it's called Suggy. <laughs> so well, it's it well yeah CGI. CGI, <laughs> CGI on one of the scenes, which is the, the again the one where the it's it's around near the Dunway scene in it, mm. uh, where they're in that, and because. I can't remember the reason why. I have, would have to look, fucking Google it, but they well, ended you up CGI and his mask in there for it, and it's like... It, it's so noticeable that you've seen yeah. the mask swap and change. Mm. <sighs> Isn't there two versions of that doorway scene where one you can actually see his eyes proper, and then there's the other one where they've like darkened it or something like that? I do not know. It wouldn't sure. surprise me, though. But, I mean, the mask in general isn't amazing. No. Absolutely not. We are coming off the back of Halloween 5 and 6, which had terrible masks. Oh, God, yeah. Like, fucking goofy-looking masks. But, so, apparently, it was used to cover up a mask that was um, used in a previous shot, uh, and they couldn't reshoot it at the time, so yeah, they used CGI to, uh, to cover it up. Shit, yeah, I've just looked at... Um, I got some screenshots up. I'm sure Matty will be able to find this image and chuck it up, but it's the alien eyed Michael Mike. So Oh yeah, it is. Oh god. No, so that's the mice we got, and they, this is the uh, one of the other mice. The amount of eyes we've got well. in there. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, it's so bad. Yeah, so that's what they covered up. <laughs> Rightly so. Have you seen that picture of like a larger gentleman, like with a Michael Myers mask on, and it looks like really bloated and weird? That that's what that looks like. <laughs> like where it looks like Michael Chiklis, but wearing a Halloween mask. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So that's that kind of like. I mean, that's the downside to this film. Yeah. Yeah. It's I think not- this is. I appreciate all the masks, but it's probably not the worst. It's probably not the worst mask in the franchise. Put it that way. But oh no, um, back two films and you've got the worst one. But, but yeah, when you see that CGI, it's like oh fuck, man. Uh, it kind of puts you off. But I guess you don't really see that on the first first no. watch through. No, it's, it's not that really bad. No, no. Can we take? I think as well another thing to mention about this film. I think yeah, because it's definitely the influence of Scream on this. Like I think that the comedy in it is quite nicely touching it's not like an overbearing amount doesn't feel like too no. much like just even the whole thing of like where they invited the principal to uh to join him at the party and he's like no thanks get my nipples pissed or something oh, like, yeah. got really sarcastic i will i was watching um dead meat catching up on this and like if we're getting meta he points out that scene where the teenagers are like you know, I don't know what they're doing. They're just chilling, right? And invite the principal to come in. They're watching Scream. That's it. And Scream, in that, watches the original Halloween. Oh, my God. Hurried up, motherfucker. <laughs> You've got this weird, like, it doesn't fucking make sense. It just fucks itself up. But, um, yeah. Wow. I never fucking yeah. I didn't yeah. realize that. I didn't even make that connection, but that is my mate. Me either. So shout out, dead meat. Um, Jim, don't know Jim, what Jim that Jim. is. Give that a fucking search on YouTube, and you're in for a good time. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So going back as well, uh, the Michael for this film. So Chris Durand plays Michael Myers in this film, and I don't know about you guys, but I thought he did a fucking pretty good job of Michael, like the way he portrays him. The, the walk, the whole thing about it. Yeah. I think I think maybe compared to some of the other Michael Myers previous, he did a he did a really great job. Probably like sort of the closest you could get to Nick Castle's sort of vibes, you know what I mean? Apart from obviously the new movie, because James Jude just does a smashing job. Yeah, he's fucking yeah, he's smashing it. But um yeah, I feel like Chris Durand did a quite a good job on this. Um I, I suppose it's hard, isn't it? Because a film with this many sequels and some of them are really bad. Yeah. And some of them are absolutely amazing, like Halloween 3. Um, you've got this weird thing where multiple people are playing the same character because yeah. it's a masked character. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it feels natural and like the original Stalker from the 1 and 2. Yeah. yeah. Um, at, like, at no point do you feel like, oh, this is a bit of a goofy Michael other than the CGI mask. Mm. So what did you guys think of the ending then? I like it. I really like it. I think it's a good twist towards the end. Because um, the so for those who don't care about spoilers and aren't gonna watch it if by now, basically Michael gets put in a body bag. Jamie Lee Curtis steals the ambulance that the body bag's in. They Michael crawls out of this body bag halfway down the road. They crash. Michael's fucking pinned up against the log in the ambulance. Yeah. Mm, Reaches out to Laurie for one last 
caring moment with his sister mm. and she fucking chops his head off. And you're like, thank fucking hell that's over with. They killed yeah. the character. Done with. Yeah. And that Finished. was the end of Halloween. Finito. And then Until the next film. <laughs> but I, I like that twist because you don't want the character to end, do you? No. No. I know what you mean. Like, but... let, let's, let's put the feelers out there. If Michael dies at Halloween Kills... That would be Halloween ends, wouldn't it? It'll be uh, uh, Halloween uh, ends. Thank you, fucking alcohol, man. Um, <laughs> how would you feel about that? I mean, this is going to be a completely different episode yeah. for another day, but I don't know. I really don't know. I, I, so I the difference yeah. here. I feel like is... they shouldn't keep carrying it on. I feel like they should just maybe because that's how you do... get Halloween five and six, right? Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think there's, there's a to point do a where it should stop. But you know, in about ten years' time after that comes out, they're going to do another remake. So, but it doesn't take away from the ones that you love. No, it doesn't. Either. Um, I suppose you know the same could be said for Freddy. Can't it? Freddy dies. Mm. There is a definitive end there. So, in reg- in regards to this, like ending to the film, the way it leads into resurrection. I, I do like the sort of way they explain it off where inside inside the actual school when Mikey's like getting tended to by the paramedics um, he actually gets hold of one of the paramedics crushes his vocal cords so he can't speak puts him in the body bag and Mikey in gets the dr- suit and everything yeah, in, in the suit dresses him up and everything like what the fuck and then Mike just walks off as a paramedic as a paramedic and they show that in Resurrection don't they yeah the, uh, yeah they show back. it later on yeah, Mikey walking off in the paramedics outfit. I love it. Yeah. I think that's cool. a great way of keeping the character alive. And if you are going to do a sequel, do it that way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So the rest of that film, however, <laughs> <laughs> that's not, that's a, that's a different horror <laughs> fest. Talk about yeah. That. Yeah. It's not going to resurrection. That's going to be like when horror yeah. fest is like, we've done all these films before. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about resurrection. Oh, here we we've, go. got to, we've got to be clutching at straws to put resurrection on there. Yeah. That <laughs> With that, The Exorcist 2. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys, what you got? What you rating it? Ooh, Whose film was this, by the way? Uh, who, who? Uh, this was Ryan's. Ryan's. Which good choice. Well done, Ryan. Well done. Well done, mate. <laughs> So I'm going to go out and straight away. I'm going to give this a three. So okay. I think one of the notes I made on this is like it kind of goes back to basics. It's not, it's kind of like a tasteful addition to it after like the mess that they made with like the complicated storylines in like the, the later um, ones, like four or five. Um, I think this is like a, a nice reintroduction to basics on it. And it, it doesn't go over the top and it doesn't go wild as such but it's kind of and it's a nice addition to the franchise yeah um do you know what i'm not that far off from you a 3.5 for me because i used to really love it and then i hated it and now i'm just like yeah it's okay i'll stick it on every now and then uh definitely not my favorite but like you say there are worse ones in the franchise so 3.5 matty for me, I'm giving this a three. Um, as you said, Lon, it's going back to basics with it, not going over the top. Um, Mikey's going following his sister. I love that you keep calling Mikey. Him Mikey. Yeah, Mikey. Yeah, Mikey. Mikey. Um, I, feel like, I feel like Buster Rhymes. Um, 
Yeah, uh, the, the way the way that it, like the sort of film is led and, and the way it's written, I think is pretty is pretty well written. Uh, how Mikey finds where Laurie is and all that, and yeah, I, I just think all in all, in regards to the Halloween franchise as well, this sits at a perfect three for me. It makes sense of like the time of the release and stuff. It's a '90s Halloween movie, isn't it? Yeah, mm. we should add though to this uh, when uh, Jamie Lee was asked about this film. I think it was in an interview. Um, she claimed that she only did this film for the money. Oh, really? So there wasn't, I don't think there was much emotional attachment to this film. Yeah. Well, isn't that why they killed her off in Resurrection? Probably at the beginning of it, yeah. So she only came back because of the money she was offered to reprise the role as Laurie Strode, were, as you could, which, is, which is pretty sad, but I guess it's just the way she felt about it at the time. Mm. Um, because obviously, I bet she was watching all these other spin offs of the Halloween franchise, thinking, What the fuck have, like, why have they carried it on yeah. this much? Yeah, and not shitting well, um, on the franchise because there's there is some fucking great films there, but obviously, yeah, look at Halloween 3, yeah, exactly. Um, incredible. Well, that was the thing, wasn't it, about this where it was going to be a home release, like straight to DVD release, but because they got Jamie Lee Curtis on it, that's yeah. what kind of convinced them to actually put it into cinemas. Damn, right. Uh, my, my fun fact for it is uh, John Carpenter was approached to come back and direct, but I think creative differences, I believe it was said he wanted uh, a trilogy <clears throat> to do three of them and, you know, money and stuff like that, that it never ended up happening. Um, but luckily we've got our new trilogy Look happening right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he seems very involved and happy with everything so yeah um let's get ryan's review now and then we'll jump to the next one final voice note from me because i haven't seen the other films on the list just yet um halloween h2o i'm gonna give three and a half stars um i thought this is like it's the best shit film like i love a shit film and this is a good shit film uh, it's definitely my favorite sequel in the halloween franchise hoping maybe Halloween Kills might take that slot this year, but we'll see. Um, it opens up with that really fucking brutal Joseph Gordon-Levitt death scene where he's, like, really young, obviously, because it's, you know, the 90s. Um, and he takes, like, an ice hockey boot to the face. I thought that was fucking brutal. Um, that moment where Laurie sees Michael for the first time through that locked gate, like that front door moment, I think they, like, close a gate and close the door right as he comes through, and they have that face, face-to-face moment on the other side of the window. That was really fucking cool. Um... Yeah, and there's a cool little Easter egg. I'm sure you guys have mentioned it, um, but they're watching Scream 2 in the film. That was really cool as well. We're all big fans of Scream. So Halloween H2O, three and a half stars. Um, And I don't have any comments on the next few films because there's a few this week that I didn't get time to see. So I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of this podcast and I hope you guys are having fun. That was Ryan's review. Let's get on to our seventh and final film. Bright night. So... We're going for the original Fright Night here, released in 1985. A teenager discovers that the newcomer in his neighborhood is a vampire. So he turns to an actor in a television horror show <laughs> for help dealing with the undead. Right. That's such so, a teenager. So it's just Garrett Schreier, though. He's such a teenager thing to be like, I need help with this potential vampire that is next bit. I'll ask the TV. guy that's on the horror show. Yeah. So while we're starting on that, doesn't that remind you of Lost Boys where they go for the to the Frog Brothers who just know about vampires from reading the comics? Mm. What? Oh, he's not seen Lost Boys. I've never seen what? Lost Boys. 
Oh, there's no spoiler there. No, no, there's no spoiler there. It's like so. It basically in the Lost Boys, they go the Frog Brothers. Um, basically, all, read all these comics about vampires, and that's how they know how to kill vampires right. and all that sort of I stuff. I mean, so this is like that sort of thing. Lost Boys is in this horror fest this year, so yeah, we will be getting to it. Don't worry. Oh yeah. So my main observation on this one is, I think this is part of like the, the golden trio of that time and i've never said the golden trio i've gone completely blank on what the third of the film is i know it's lost boys and i know it's fucking bright night and there's like a third one might might be able to pick me up on this from the 80s. like vampire films from vampire films in the 80s there was like three fuck um <laughs> top of my head. Wow. i mean you've kind of got like you know about Salem's Lot? Salem's Lot might have been... Uh, that was that might a little, be a little, little vampire appearance. No, that, that might be the 70s, though. I'm no good with years sometimes. Please hold. Da, 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 da. Yeah, Salem's Lot was 1979. Near Dark. Never heard of it. So that was the, apparently the golden three of that what time. So, near Dark? You've got me intrigued now, man. <laughs> Get ready for the next segment of 20 minutes of Googling. <laughs> A trailer watch. 30 hours later. Oh, okay. Mate, the cover on that looks sick. That guy on the cover of that reminds me of uh, the guy who gets chewed up on American Wolf in London. He looks very similar to that. Well, that was around a similar time, wasn't it? Because like werewolves yeah. were similar. Anyway, jumping back to Fright Night. Um, this is said to be a, a homage to Hammer Horror, as around the time yeah. it was very much slashes being the churned out horror popular thing. Um, you've got Tom Holland directing this, not the Spider-Man from the Marvel <laughs> Universe, but uh, Tom Holland from Child's Play. So why you why you've just said that as well, Pearson? So you obviously you're on about the Hammer Horror sort of vibes. The main character in this is called Peter Vincent. Peter Vincent, yeah. Which is a homage is... to Peter Cushing and Vincent Price, who are two. Oh fucking hell! Yeah. How have I never put that together? Yeah, two big things in the horror industry. Yeah. So Peter Vincent is our character who hosts the horror, the late night horror show that our protagonist watches all the time. Yeah. Um. What did we all think of this? It's like, been a while since I watched like, was this it. Was so this the first time yeah. you watched it? Is this... Yeah. So this was this was the first time I've watched it. Were um, like I've, I've said to you before we started recording this, I'm familiar with the remake with David Tennant and Colin Farrell, and not this Great one. Remake. It is a good so, remake. So to go back to, we got a lot of remakes mentioned this time round. But I think we mentioned way good is, remakes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, Going back to this to see where it kind of originally stemmed from it is pretty much like for like um yeah, there's there's no change to the story or anything like that, other than like I think in the remake, Peter Vincent is doing very well for himself, living in a penthouse kind of thing. Yeah. Um but the fucking makeup in this is insane. This this kind of film, right, was one I, I saw on in search of darkness um because we've been obsessed with that um Mm. and like my list has just grown and grown (laughs) after watching them because i love 80s horror movies and it seems even more so 
but like this is one where it's an iconic cover that you see all the time yeah and then like amazing 80s special effects and makeup like you've just said Lun. and honestly i thought i'd hate this because you know if you've watched last year's horror fest i was slating bram stoker's dracula <laughs> but like you know for this to homage to your classic hammer horror hammer horrors yeah it feels like horror all comes from like a gothic time period anyway doesn't it and yeah, romance is part of that yeah but this this was what i was kind of wanting from bram stokers because the romance is completely gone from this other than uh the vampire next door seducing his victims yeah, yeah. um so it, it's confirmed to us that he is a vampire as we see a lady get out of the cab go next door our character come, becomes a pretty much a fucking peeping Tom watching them <laughs> strip down and a bit of foreplay until Fox. later on in the film, you see a photo of her on the TV and it's like missing sex worker, I think, or prostitute. Mm. Um, Does that not remind you? It's just literally popped me out as you were talking about that. Um, there's a film called Disturbia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, like constantly watching next door kind of thing yeah. mm. i never thought of that that's a good is that shilla buff shilla buff Shilla-Buff. yeah Shilla-Buff. Oh, no that is a great film that i don't know why we haven't put that one on here but yeah we should have um, there is another one because i know the simpsons reference it and i feel life i can't remember what the film is called but i don't you might remember the simpsons episode when bart breaks his leg and he has like a telescope or something like that and he's like sat and he thinks like the next door neighbor or something Fuck. like that is like a murderer or something see this plays on so like this this whole lot sort of like a premise where it's the neighbor next door could be a killer but he's actually a vampire this time so this plays on i guess like people like kids at the time and their imagination going wild <laughs> like reading all these comic books i know we wasn't alive during this era unfortunately um but you can kind of get it from like kids reading all these comic books and vampires, seeing all these vampire stuff on TV. You like to think of that sort of like imagination when you've got that Absolute, neighbor next door, he's yeah. a bit of a dickhead. And you think, oh, dude, you never see right them. They only come out at yeah. night, you know. Yeah. It's, it's very easy to like put two and two together, isn't it? And yeah. get seven. So yeah, I, I love I love it for that reason. And, and going back to what you said as well, uh, Lord, the makeup on this film is great. Like the vampires. Makeup they look terrifying. Really, yeah, yeah, it's scary. Considering it's like kind of like a horror comedy as well, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean, but it's not in the way where like it is. Yeah, right. you no, know, it. I I think of as like horror first, very closely followed by comedy. Whereas this, it's just like in little places. Yeah, mm. I don't think the comedy is like too obvious where it takes you out of it. But then at the same time, I don't think it's necessarily scary. But no, that, I think that I'd might just be me. This mm. has this this has a very similar feel to it, without comparing the two like too much because they're completely different, like Lost Boys. In the yeah. way it, it, so, it is like horror, but you've got that bit of comedy. I'm not spoiling anything, don't worry. So you're guessing that I'm gonna love Lost Boys. I, I know you'll love Lost Boys, mate. <laughs> I know we'll mean. find out stay tuned yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's got that horror element to it and that suspense but it's also got that little bit of comedy in there as well but not yeah. too much it, like i love that um so it's charlie is the name of our name protagonist i've just realized um it's sort of like the 
the boy who cried wolf in that like he's certain he's a vampire but no one's listened to him because it's so outlandish and ridiculous i think he even goes to the police at one point and says like my neighbor's a vampire and they're like fuck off kid (laughs) he's trying to tell his mom and everything it ain't happening so he goes and gets peter vincent's help who initially only does it for the money once he's investigating and like the other thing i like is this vampire next door he's very charming and like yeah uh hosting them you know very nicely and then peter vincent discovers he doesn't cast a reflection in his mirror and he fucking bolts out of there he's like fuck (laughs) this you know so it's kind of fun it is that comedy of seeing him go and come back so otherwise you're fucked yeah Mm. no absolutely like I think it's such, it's such an interesting aspect because it's it's definitely played in the sense of like he actually would do what a kid would do in that scenario. Like I said before, like the thing is like your parents aren't gonna believe you, and you look up to the people that you watch on TV. So therefore, TV let's go and ask them help. for help. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> TV fix things. Yeah, it's, it's not just entertainment. This is life. <laughs> but but now, um, also another thing with this film, the poster is iconic. Like, yeah. That, that's probably the poster's more popular in the film. <laughs> yeah, pr- yeah, it probably is. Things, yeah. I, I love the poster for this film. Um, and like going back to the special effects, like later on when it is like, I know you know that I'm a vampire. Mm. Um, you end up in the basement of this house, which turns out to be, you know, nods to earlier horrors and, you know, fucking hammer horrors. Stuff like Nosferatu, where he's got his fucking coffin in the basement, yeah. sleeping during the day. Um, and like the special effects, like there's a werewolf. I think who turns into a werewolf? I can't so, remember. Someone mm-hmm. basically, I'm going to fucking butcher this because it's been a while since I've watched it. But I think it's like a reverse werewolf special effect because the big thing around the 80s was. Um, stuff like the howling, like the transition from human to mm. werewolf. That was the big thing in special effects. And this was the other way. Werewolf turning turning into a human. Yeah, it's just fucking amazing. That's all I'm gonna say. It's fucking yeah. amazing. Go watch it. I think I watched I watched this very late. Um it's not a film I was brought up watching. I just watched it because for the love of horror within the past year recommended it to me. And after last year's horror fest, I had to watch more um vampire movies yeah it was our mission last year when you were like don't really do vampire films we'd be all like yeah. have you seen lost boys it was like no friday night uh no well <laughs> yeah friday night is and you know what i fucking it's one of my favorites now i'll say that it's in my top 10 horror films cool oh, yeah. damn. wow easy uh and the the remake's great as well so go on then let's get to ratings what your what's your rating on it then pearson mine's a 4.5 Wow. Yeah. I I feel like it's, you know how we love Halloween 3 even more so because it's underrated and not as appreciated as it probably should be? Yeah. Mm. I feel like I might be looking at it like this. Like, I don't think Friday Night gets mentioned enough. It was fun to watch. And it was one of them, I enjoyed watching the original and then I enjoyed watching the remake just as much as one another. Yeah. Mm. There was none that were like, I preferred the original, but yeah, 
I'd, I'll happily watch it again. Became like a comfort thing to watch. Lun? That's cool. I'm going to give it a 3.5. Um, I think it, it is a solid film. It, it lives up to expectations of, like, going from the process of seeing the remake to then going and seeing the original from that. I think it held up on that. Um, and it kind of it shows where like concepts came from, which is which from my aspect was quite interesting. That like the practical effects that is insane. Well, I think um, that's quite rare, isn't it? To to watch a remake first and then still like the well, original. Well, this is this is the however whichever way you look at it, uh potentially unfortunate thing that we've come were we know on the second prototype of something that's already been made. Yeah. Uh, we didn't see the original concept of it when that first came out. Like, like you think, like, Fright Night, The Exorcist and stuff like that, the reactions to them fucking films when they came out must have been insane. 100%. But now we watch The Exorcist and we're like, that's cool. They make up sick, you know. Or we're cool. just desensitized to it. <laughs> yeah, all. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know why? Because I can watch someone be beheaded on the internet. Not that I do. Yeah. But there's that kind of brutality and real life horror. Yeah, yeah. You know. Life is a horror. Yeah, life's horrible every day. Oh, anyway, Lund, what's your rating? <laughs> oh, he said oh, it was a three point five. Yeah. Oh, my bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mike. So I'm joining Lund on that one. So I'm a three point five as well. Uh, love, love the concept of it again. Okay, sort of a fresh new take on vampires. Um, healthy little bit of comedy in there. And you know what? When I'm thinking of it now, like when you said it is a fun watch, which it is. It is. It is a fun watch. You're not. You're not thinking too hard about it when you're watching it. You can just sort of sit back, just chill out, watch it, enjoy it because it's got like Goonies vibe to it. It's like Goonies, but with vampires <laughs> in it, but without it being like too that. comedy. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's It's yeah. got that to it and it's just really enjoyable to watch. And you know, like um, if I do ever have kids in the future, this will be one of those horror films that you do. Uh, you could make them watch early, yeah. yeah. For sure. It's the, it's the film you can disturb them with at a young yeah. age. It's, yeah. a, it's a nice introduction into vampires, and I guess Lost yeah. Boys will be like that as well. So, yeah, 3.5. And here's what Ryan thinks of Fright Night. Shoo. Confession time for me. I have not had time to watch the original Bright Night, but I have seen the remake with Colin Farrell which I think was like 10 years old. So I, I saw it when it was at the cinema and I remember really enjoying it. It was quite, uh, it, was, it was a bit like just goofy fun. Um, it wasn't like a serious, terrifying horror, but it was like a fun horror. And I think by the look of the original Fright Night, I'm guessing that's the kind of style it was anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm interested to hear what you guys say about Fright Night. And then I am going to check out myself when I get a chance. And if I was to rate the remake of Fright Night, I'd probably give it a three out of five as it was quite fun, but it wasn't like anything groundbreaking. So yeah, I'll, I'll do my review based on the remake, but I will check out the original as soon as I can. And then that concludes Horror Fest part two. Nice hey, let's go. So jumping to episode three, I will let you know what films we have coming up shortly. If we could ever organize a date. So whilst you're doing that, then um, if you watch us on YouTube, let us know what you think of the films that we've discussed today, whether you agree with us, whether you completely disagree with us, whether we've, tasteless mm. dickheads and we don't know what we're Absolute talking about. Slander on we welcome films. the opinions because at the end of the day like and I, I know sometimes like some of us talk shit on some of the films but it's interpretation at the end of the day we're all into different things uh, and we see things in different ways so well, we're not, 
like that's what's fun about doing this like yeah. especially when you think of last year when i slated bram stoker yeah. and i'm just looking at it in completely the wrong way i still don't like the film but then what, what happened i messaged you mate and i watched um interview with a vampire and fucking loved it yeah i was fucking shocked when he messaged me saying he's watching that i was like what? <laughs> so you're yeah. hating Bram Stoker's Dracula and you're watching an even more romanticised version of... Like, I absolutely loved it. I was like, yeah. the concept's so amazing. Yeah, yeah it's interpretation, <laughs> but yeah, again, podcast, if you disagree with anything we said, <laughs> put it in the comments and uh, just let us know what you think because we'll be interested to hear. Okay, so the next seven films are The Exorcist, Night of the Demons, Devil, I Spit on Your Grave, The Perfection, Suspiria, and Mandy. That's a good lineup as well. I uh, think so too. So if you want to hear all about that, hit episode three. And if you haven't listened to our first seven of Horrorfest, that was When a Stranger Calls, Scare Me, Evil Dead 2, Ready or Not, the remake of Wrong Turn 2021, Life and the Crow. That's episode one. Go take a listen i think that's everything from us isn't it yep if people made it this far thank you very much for listening watching whatever way you're doing it if you enjoyed it share it spread the word all that stuff yeah i feel like horror fest has become a bit of a a baby of ours that we're trying to like put all our effort in right now uh, i'm i'm just saying i'm living for it so I fucking love it thanks boys yes it's been fun bye-bye see you bye. next time <laughs>